Hello and welcome everybody to the Velomancy Podcast, episode number 76. My name is Dylan. And I'm Rick. We're going to talk about the Holy Roman Empire. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> uh, you know, your wife messaged me. Uh, she's, she asked me, like, hey, when's the last time you thought about the Roman Empire? I'm like, I don't, when somebody asked me. You know, it's it's funny you say that. She's sitting right next to me and she's looking real embarrassed. Because, like, right before she asked you that question, she asked me. Um, uh, and my answer set her off the rails. And she's like, I got to ask another man like this. What did you say? <laughs> uh, frequently. Like, every time I hear Spanish, I think of the Roman Empire. Because it's, like, one of the closest languages to Latin. And it's, like, kind of like a relic of a lost era. And I work with a lot of people that work in Mexico. Right? Like, remotely. So, like, I see oh, okay. a lot of really interesting Latin names, and it's like, ah, yes. <laughs> Latin. <laughs> I don't know. Well, don't worry, we'll just cast a bunch of British guys uh, to play all the Romans. It's fine. Right. Because <laughs> they're totally the, not the same people, you know. The Gaelic, all of them, you know. just But they like were Romans, there. The same thing, right. I saw that King Arthur movie. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> we have a bit of ground to cover today. Yeah, um, we do. And really, we could we could tackle it in about any order. Do, do you have a preference? Uh, did you want to bring... I wanted to start, talk about Armored Core 6 first, because... I did pour Jack and Coke. We should probably cover that first. Yeah, otherwise, this will be an Armored Core 6 podcast. No, you're right. All right, let's start there. So, Armored Core 6. Last time, dear listeners... <laughs> Uh, I had not yet beaten Armored Core 6, but I committed to having it beaten before we record again. And you know what? I did it. And not only did I do it, we're not recording late. It is currently September 14th, 2023. We didn't even delay recording. I mean, Victim's not here with us today. I forgot to mention that, but uh, it's okay. I think they figured it out by now. (laughs) Um, So yeah. I beat it. I, I beat the game. I beat New Game Plus. I beat New Game Plus Plus. I never touched the PvP, but I've never really been into the PvP, honestly. Like, uh, Well, YouTube can tell you all you need to know about the PvP. It's Zimmermans yeah. on Zimmermans. And Unless you're a genius. Not yeah. yeah. And, and the fool's trying to fight the Zimmermans with um, not great stuff overall. There are a few people that make it work, but they could probably make anything work. Right, like Oroboro, he's a streamer guy. He was the one at the, the Formsoft conference, and uh, he's been putting out some videos about some builds that don't use Zimmerman's that are actually good. Um, but like, he's really good at the he's really good at the game. Yeah, oh, yeah, like the chainsaw build. That's not a good build objectively. Mm-hmm. His coral build's pretty good though. Like, oh, the coral build is great. Uh, actually, it's basically just how with a couple of modifications. Mm-hmm. I gotta say though, Armor Core Six was everything I was hoping for and more. I was so worried it was gonna be a blunder, like Armor Core Five, right? And like I, I stuck it out through Armor Core Five. I played it one time. I never went back, and I ne- probably never will, honestly. Oh God, no! I wouldn't go back to worse games. Ob- yeah, like, objectively worse games. Though I, I will say, I my my next, you know, uh, the game on the top of the backlog that I'm currently playing, right? Um, is I've been playing the old gen Armored Core games again on an emulator on Destiny's computer. Ooh. Okay. And uh, so I just beat Armored Core 1. Um, no human plus. Like, I, I'm just that good. <laughs> it's the Karasara. The Karasara is busted. I didn't need human plus. 
Um, you just had to get a hold of that. <laughs> right, and I happened to remember where it was. And so I got the Karasara. I, I beat Nine Ball. I didn't just avoid him. Um, got number one rank. I got the, I, And I went back and finished all the missions, so I got the Moonlight. I got the Coral Generator. It's not called that, but it's what it is. Um, you know, it's funny. Are you convinced now that uh, Armor Core 6 is a prequel? Yes. Uh, now, let me say something about that Coral Generator, though. So it's funny, oh. because I was... Uh, I'm not young anymore, right? And I don't remember where all the stupid hidden parts are. I only remember the Karasara and the Moonlight. And I didn't want to just get those two things. So there was a mission where in the briefing, it was like, hey, go go merc this guy. But also, he stole a really good generator. If you find it, you can keep it. And so I, I went on the wiki, and I was like, all right, where the fuck's this part? I don't want to leave the mission without it. I don't want to come back in post-game, because after you beat the game, all the missions open up. You can replay them, right? Right. Replaying missions is not a thing until you beat it. Um, and so I was like, all right, where is it? And it tells me where it is. And then I, I look at the trivia and I mentioned in the last episode that Armor Core Nexus was some kind of a celebration of some number of years for the franchise. Yeah. 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 I, yeah so there's yeah, a disc too. a very popular song for it. Oh yeah. There's a lot of good things about Armor Core Nexus. Uh, it's just not the gameplay, <laughs> but, um, uh, jokes aside about Nexus, uh, the disc two for Armored Core Nexus contained a bunch of remade missions from the old games uh, that were done in the Armored Core Nexus engine. I think it's all the same engine. I don't know what they called it, but like it's very clear that the PS1 games are all the same engine. It's like the same game, but like with different missions in it, right? Like it, they clearly yeah. reuse the engine and that's the case oh, for yeah. Armored, Armored Core 2. Core, yeah, all of one looks like the same game. Exactly. And that's the case for Armored Core 3 and Silent Line. Armor Core Nexus, however, uh, it, they did like an update, and then Armor Core Nexus and Last Raven are very close to each other. Uh, they are technically sequels of Armor Core 3 and Silent Line. However, uh, they are different enough that people would put them in their own category of two, but they still count as the three arc. Um, but in this second disc, they basically remade those old missions, several iconic ones, uh, in the new engine, the latest engine they had at the time. Uh, and you can load your save file and you can get parts when you finish. And if you go pick up the part where the generator is supposed to be, it's actually a, a napalm launcher called some letters and numbers hyphen coral. And so I was like, huh, that's weird. And so the that was generator it red when you shot it, <laughs> I mean, it's a napalm launcher. It's, that's what it does. Uh, but like, I thought that was neat. And I was like, okay, so that's a weird thing to put in place of a generator. So, and this is the best generator in our core one. So it's the coral generator in my brain. And I, I refer to it as such. And that's fine. So I'm playing through uh, Project Phantasma now. I'm only three missions in. Uh, Project Phantasma was one of the games that I only played at like a friend's house. I didn't actually own my own copy. And so I'm only familiar with the split screen versus mode, not the scenario. So I'm excited. I have an idea of how the plot goes because I, I just I know. Right. But right. like the, the, the moment to moment stuff, the direct quotes, the characters, the actual happenings, mission to mission. Those are all new to me. Right. And I'm super excited. Uh, I I started it up and I'm only three missions in because I spent like three hours beating all of the arena because there's no mission gating on the arena. You start at the last rank and you can go all the way to rank one. And I loaded my save from AC1. I have the Karasara and the Moonlight. No human plus. Didn't need it. I'm built different. Well, time. <laughs> time, for you. <laughs> time for you to go do bad things. And then the reward for beating the arena in Project Phantasma is the finger. Which is uh, a very overpowered weapon. 
Way stronger than the Karasara. It's oh, a machine gun. Finger? Mm-hmm. It's a machine gun with five barrels that fits over your hand. Oh. <laughs> uh, so it's like a gauntlet. And it shoots five uh, streams of machine gun bullets rapidly, and it has 3,000 ammo, which is absurd. Uh, absolutely absurd. I'll probably never take it off. Uh, and it's going to carry me through Project Phantasma and probably also Master of Arena because, holy shit, that is busted. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, that's my plan. I'm going to get through that one and I'm going to get through Master of Arena and then I'm going to play Armor Core 2. I love Armor Core 2. Did not play Another Age. So uh, looking forward to that. And Destiny's been watching me play. It's been a good time. Um, but I, I was craving more Armored Core after I beat AC6 because I tell you what, AC6 was really good. Those callbacks in AC6, though. I know that's that's what inspired me to go back to AC one because like that mission where you meet air right, right. Um, it looks just like the battle arena where you fight nine ball and then mm. the computer in the center looks just like the controller from AC three also known as Dove right it's like I did want to uh, preface before we go any further for people who are listening if we are going to spoil the hell out of ac6 because this is a much deeper game story-wise than people initially thought any of the bloggers who only did one playthrough thought that's um, right it essentially so you know how all of these other games that you you know you've been talking about that are directly related to each other that's mm-hmm. how i think of each individual playthrough uh, like yeah because the it's not like so yeah spoilers commence there are clearly people that aren't just all mind that know that you're in, you know, you've done this before. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, I, it almost feels like the whole game's a fucking simulation. <laughs> like, it's a, like, well, it's either, in my opinion, it's either a simulation, which I think is the weaker of the two options, or it's some kind of time loop, but that requires all three loops to be successful. Um, if people need a reference for that, kind of like Looper. Uh, if you remember that middling movie, um, the where like all the loops had to be done for it to work. Like there, minimum there are three timelines in Looper. There might be more, uh, but the m- absolute minimum for that to work, there are three timelines, and that's what I think is going on here. Is because like the true ending, did, it only is possible or even makes sense if. The player character went through the other two endings and saw them through. Right. And the player character doesn't have a way to talk to anybody. Uh, right. That it, like, that it, like, that's in canon that you have no mouth. Well, you have a mouth probably, but the speech part of your brain has been removed, almost mm-hmm. certainly. For more for more mech controlling part, <laughs> parts right. thrown into the brain. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. the uh, And, you know, that, and it would fit two uh for it to be a uh, time loop in my opinion because this is a the the store the story ultimately it boils down to uh you know choice for you know that free will choice kind of dilemma so let's um let's break down these three endings uh so yeah. we can clue the audience in who maybe don't care or uh don't mind the spoilers just so we're on the same page so uh in the game you go through and you're given a, a series of choices called decision missions which is very similar to armored core one um and in fact just like armored core one like the weird thing about armored core one is that the decision missions will lead you to a cutscene where one of the two companies has like a catastrophic downfall and then the other one just kind of silently dies off camera right 
Uh, and then there's a couple more missions to the actual ending, which is the same for everyone. So it's like, it's like a Armor Core One's got branching path that comes together at the end, which is a little weird. Whereas in Armor Core Six, like you, you do your decision missions and you you make clear, you know, sides. Uh, you you take sides, right? Right. And uh, ultimately, um, regardless of what choices you make, Balaam gets wiped out either by you or by Rusty. Um, and then the player character gets captured as soon as you reach the big prize that everyone's the treasure that everyone's after, right? The coral convergence, um, which is deep underground in an underground city. Huh? Weird. Uh, <laughs> guarded by a unit, uh, an Ibis unit, huh? Ibis. Where have I heard that before? Um, and you know, what's funny, uh, despite the fact that he's obviously not the same Ibis, it does have those little bits that are oddly reminiscent of, uh, like, Obviously, they're separate units, like the little uh, laser turrets that fly with them. Uh-huh. But they remind me visually of uh, White Glint. Uh, yeah. Which, and I know Glint, like, Glint looks like it was based on an Ibis. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I could so be wrong, but it more on like that in a minute. Because I, I also have the, I, I promised I would come prepared with the timeline theory, and I have it. Hell yeah. So I will cover that. Uh, but let's talk about these endings. And uh, when I get to the theory part, It'll make sense why the true ending is probably the only ending. So you go through your decision missions and uh, Balaam gets wiped out no matter what. The player character gets captured no matter what. uh, And then rescued by your friends at RAD. Uh, Your friends at RAD reveal that they're actually part of a secret uh, organization um, that is all about burning the coral when there's too much of it because it's dangerous. Uh, and they make a very compelling argument for why the coral needs to burn. But what they didn't account for is your coral waifu in your head whispering, you know, stud muffin in your ear. And that. Oh, yeah. Trying to convince you not to do it. Right. And so you basically need to side with the voice in your head or you side with the people that broke you out of prison. Pretty tough choice. Because like, it, yeah, it was such a hard choice because they, they really sold it to you. It's like, you know, your handler gets captured as well, uh, presumably killed. Uh, and they're just like, yeah, you're our, our ace up the hole that you he planned for, and we're really glad you're here. Oh yeah, no, they're like in you know like they risked a lot by getting you out of uh, prison yeah. too. It's like it, it could have gone badly. RAD is exactly a large faction, and Arbicus is you know the United States military on steroids. Right, exactly, and it's like. It felt really bad betraying them, but the first ending I got, I, I did side with Air. It, it felt right. See, everybody I know sided with Air first. I went the other way. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, so, but anyways, so you went with the good ending first. Uh-huh. And I, I hope that my voice portrayed the quotation marks, because <laughs> there is no good ending, if you ask me. I think all the endings are bad endings, just varying shades. But yeah, so the good ending, uh, I'll tell you what happened and then you can cover the other one. So in the good ending, um, I had to betray R.A.D. I had to kill Carla and Chatty Stick. It was very emotional. They were very sad and broken up about it. I also got a chance to kill Snail. Uh, However, he did not die when I gunned him down. But I saw my chance and I fucking took it. Only for him to show up later in Abaltius that I was totally prepared for uh, because he isn't that hard when you have the right gear. (laughs) <laughs> and I actually was like, his Baltius is way easier for real <laughs> like it's tankier but um it doesn't have missile swarms yeah big difference and so i took him down i took them down it was very sad 
Uh, and then we have to stop the ship by blowing up the engines. Uh, we almost accomplish that when we are interrupted by Walter, uh, who appears to have his mind uh, fractured by what I presume is exposure to lots of coral or the side effects of further augmentation. And uh, what we know from the trailer is that Walter is a very old man. Uh, so it's like, that really sucks they did that to him. I'm surprised he survived, but he's just that much of a badass. Uh, and he has a really cool-looking AC that I immediately copied as soon as I killed him. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, they give you the... Uh, and it's an Ibis, too, funny I, enough. Yeah, an Ibis series AC, the only one that has room for a pilot. Um, and Walter has this, like, implied history with the Institute, and he seems to know a lot more than everyone else for some reason. Um, the, the combat logs go into this, uh, and... A lot of the fandom is convinced that Walter is the little boy in the sketches and that Carla was his caretaker, making Carla older than him. Carla, um, well, I mean, Air drops that in. Her nickname is Cinder, and apparently Cinder is uh, what they call people who survived the first fires of Ibis, which were mm-hmm. half a century before this game takes place. Right, that's just 50 years, and uh, she's described as young in the sketches if that's really her so it's like okay so she's like maybe 60 late 60s early 70s like that's not unreasonable no it isn't and that would be why chatty is worried about when she goes out in her ac probably because piloting acs are bad for your health when you're old <laughs> augmented or I not think it generally yeah i think it's generally bad for your health uh, to pilot an ac hence whole augmentation of things Uh so we have a very uh touching reunion with with walter we whoop his ass and we uh prevent disaster allowing archibus to continue siphoning the coral but enabling a future where we uh you know still have coral in the world uh which is what air wanted uh and that's supposedly the good ending but well i mean in fairness uh, you did basically kill all of archibus too true oh so they're not really there to harvest the coral but still well tell us about the bad ending I was going to bring up one other thing, because the bad ending does require this as well, I think. We were, well, actually, no, we'll talk about the bad ending, and then we'll bring up uh, the true hero of Rubicon. Um, So, the bad ending, so instead of uh, siding with the voice in your head, you go and uh, join the people who broke you out of jail. And by joining the people who broke you out of jail, you fight Arbicus. Funny enough, you folk... You fought Arbicus regardless, right? Uh, but Archibus, Argu- sorry, Archibus. Um, so you go out and you fight the only unaugmented human uh, and whoop his ass. And Archibus, funny enough, at this point, other than a couple of ACs, are just all flying uh, the other guy's tech, which are not ACs. Um, yeah, they they draw a very distinct uh, difference between the PCA stuff and like uh, muscle tracers. I don't think we mentioned the PCA actually. So in the oh. middle of the game, like the like Act Two, is all about how the government, the Planetary the Closure Space Administration, Police. they they show <laughs> up. They weren't on the planet. They had just a couple squads, right? Um, but like they detect that people have been fighting on Rubicon, and people are not supposed to be on Rubicon. Um, and so they show up and they're like, hey. You guys weren't supposed to be on this fucking planet. We're going to kill you all if you don't fucking leave right now. And then, like, the entire second act of the game is about the corporations deciding to to team up against the government 
because they didn't yeah. want any of them there and they had crazy firepower. Yeah. So one thing that I do feel like they should have expanded upon a little bit uh, on the PCA is the fact that they're, whatever their leader is, is it's an AI. Absolutely. It's very and, clear that it's an AI. Yeah. I mean, the people working for uh, the PCA seem to be only one step away from AI themselves, too. Like, other than a few, like, death nail curse you, uh, Raven kind of stuff, for the most part, they're very, like, chill, even when you're killing them. Yeah. it's They're, they're kind of a weird faction, and if there's ever DLC or a set expansion, uh, I hope we get to see more of them, because they were so, really cool. So, yeah, sorry for... Uh, but I wanted to bring up the fact that they're using PCA stuff, because it's going to be important for the next mission after uh, we kill Freud. Um... So yeah, we kill Freud because he kills Chatty Stick. Um, if they openly reveal Chatty's an AI in this one. They allude to it in the other sections, but well, in the other ending, uh, they assume you know in New Game Plus Plus, but they directly say it in this one because um, Chatty takes over the uh, ship after or locks the ship. Oh no! Like that—that that implication that yeah. you heard is exactly how I heard it on my first run at the ending. Like. I did not know he was an AI until New Game Plus. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, they but they you know Freud, Freud is despite him having basically no screen time, might be after Rusty is my favorite character of the game, solely because he's like a dude. Everybody else is like these augmented you know human plus kind of like experimented super soldiers, and he's just a guy that is really good at piloting Max. <laughs> he was him. Hundred <laughs> percent, yeah. As the young ones would uh, say. Um. So yeah. Anyways, uh, so we've killed Freud. Yay us. Snail doesn't make an appearance, which I thought was kind of weird, but you know, whatever. Um. Maybe maybe Rusty killed Snail off screen. Uh, that would be cool. And so Archibus, not wanting to be outdone in the by the other ending, show up in a big ass fleet of ships, and the coolest mission of the game happens. <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. I am with you there. They give you unlimited energy. The backdrop, like the background, is phenomenal. Like you're flying. So it felt like I was playing Final Fantasy sixteen. Yeah, since <laughs> Act Two, the sky has been bright red, very reminiscent of fire. Because uh, at, or at the end of Act One, you blow up a uh, place where coral's been stored, so you can follow the follow the trail of coral across the ocean. Uh, and uh, they uh, and it's really it makes for a very cool looking game to have a red sky right but the sky is now below you because you're uh, passing through the atmosphere and so you've kind of got this darkening space above you these uh, like you're riding on the waves of coral and you've got unlimited energy and you're just blowing ships up out of the sky and then the hero of Rubicon shows up to stop you and I had not the hardest boss fight, but definitely the one that I was most conflicted about. Yeah, your homeboy Rusty shows up, reveals that he's been, well, he doesn't like say it, but like it's very clear that he's a double agent or spy for the peace or the, the Liberation Front. Yes. Who you don't really talk to a whole lot until your second and third playthroughs. Yeah. Which um, only made me like him more because it's a cool yeah. faction. And. Rusty, hero that he is, even though everything is over, like, 
he probably couldn't stop the ship. Like, knowing what I know from New Game Plus and Plus Plus, I don't think Rusty could have stopped the ship at that point without... Uh, Air could have stopped... Air would have stopped the ship, but Rusty didn't know that. <laughs> Rusty by himself couldn't have stopped that ship. It was pure vengeance for him showing up. <laughs> and... Or righteous indignation. And... And he, he just sounded so disappointed in the player. Like, I felt yeah. so bad. Well, and, I didn't feel that bad because I sided with Air my first time through. And yeah. at the end of that ending, like, Air makes some weird cryptic message to you that kind of implies you're going to start over. And it's like, we'll go with what you want. I'm with you. And it, I, I felt like that was consent to go get the bad ending. <laughs> it is. Because um, Air, so Air's Air, a AI, and I think, she, I think all of the well, AIs know something that I, everyone else well, doesn't. Air is coral. I right. Air, and... In fairness, I feel like the coral beings are somewhat AI. They're basically sentient AI, as far as I can tell. Like, they're not their energy. They're, they're energy beings, but they can infect machines. Um, you see Air do it and in the final, final ending. Um, but we'll get to that. Sorry, we're digressing. And um, So you kill yeah, Rusty, right? I kill Rusty, and, the, and he has the best second face start ever, I think where it's his machine's broken he's just like no i refuse i refuse to stop <laughs> i'm gonna make the machine work for me he's literally sheer too, force of will he's literally too righteous to die yeah no he's an like if the, if he was in an anime and he was the hero he would have won by that point like that like that is the character that they wrote they that is rusty he is a, like he is an like an anime hero who like he believes hard enough and the mech keeps working after you be destroy it. It's so great. <laughs> and and Rusty has the best the only actually I think the only really good song in the game belongs to Rusty in mm -hmm. round two. Well, uh, I thought the soundtrack in general was really disappointing. I, I did. I like it's mostly forgettable soundtrack, but there are it makes the couple of standout songs really good and uh the steel haze um rusted pride that's what it is uh the the redub uh, the redux is the um prefer like that is the song from the game that's like but i couldn't tell you that like a few weeks ago because by saying steel haze and rusted pride, that lets you know just how important rusty really is <laughs> yeah um, because honestly, when they introduced him, I didn't think he was going to be that important. I thought he was going to be, I thought he was going to be a double agent of sorts, but I thought he was going to be the double agent's like, I'm with you, buddy. And then I stab you in the back for Archibus. Right. Instead, That's what I thought they were going to do. Instead, he was so much more. He was. It, he's Rusty's, probably like, he's my second favorite character for sure. Yeah, I do like, like, I do like some of the other characters. Michigan is a really good character. And clearly That's my favorite. have. Him and Michigan Walter is have, number one for yeah. me. <laughs> Michigan and Walter clearly have some history. Because um, they've clearly worked, or he's probably well, see, had it. That's the theory, right? Before. So, um, in if we assume the little boy in the sketches is Walter, right? Yeah. Then we can assume that Walter and Carla and the other survivors of the fires fled to Jupiter. And in Michigan's arena page, I think it's mentioned that he was a war veteran from somewhere. They, they, there's a word they use to describe where he fought. Um, 
and I don't know what that word was, but I heard somewhere online say that that was a reference to Jupiter. Uh, but I, it may, I, I might be making that shit up. But it like, may be if, one of the moons of Jupiter. There are a bunch of them. Yeah, but if there was conflict on Jupiter that Michigan is a veteran of, and Walter took refuge on Jupiter when he was young, then it makes sense that they would know each other. But anyways, so, sorry, we haven't even done plus plus ending. So anyways, we fight air. Um, of the two uh, good and bad ending bosses, air is a much more difficult boss than Walter. Walter, unfortunately, is in an AC. Air is not. <laughs> So she doesn't have a lot of limitations. She's allowed to have an excessive mood set because everything Walter can do, you can do when you have his weapons. Um, so Walter is limited uh, in a way that Air is not. And Air also has a bullshit shield. <laughs> well, for half the fight, she has a pulse shield. Um, granted, the fight doesn't have to be that long. Uh, and... Also, we, we should cover different playstyles because I need to point out that uh, I Dark Souls my way through this game. Uh, I did not play it the right way, quote-unquote. <laughs> I played it objectively wrong. I have an inferior mech, and I just got good. Um, so what did your mech consist of? I'm actually curious. You never told me. Um, what were your I, legs? Let's start with that. They were the Mind Beta Reverse Joint. Mind Beta Reverse Joint. Interesting. So you, you like the I Reverse Joints. Well, um, no, but I needed the extra dodge. <laughs> <laughs> um, here, um, it's gonna, it'll actually be a quick way for me to uh -huh. pull it up, um, Armor Core 6, because I haven't deleted it or anything. Yeah. Steam, so it's just oh, let, me, let me tell you what I got. That's so, a 30 se second load or so. Yeah, go ahead so, and tell me yours. Yeah, at the start of the game, uh, to get through, um, Sea Spider and, uh, the cleaner, I, I went with the Tetrapods. Um, which was fine. It was fine. Uh, but what I played most of the game was the, uh, the Wrecker, uh, full set, um, which you helped me find. <laughs> they were in chests. Uh, they're not parts you can buy, but like the heavyweight bipedal was kind of my thing. Uh, and I really liked the, the dual rifles. Um, but I also enjoyed laser blades. I eventually made, um, several of, uh, 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 mechs. I, I named them all after the Midnight Songs. Uh, it was it was hilarious. Uh, so I named them all after the Midnight Songs. My bipedal guy, his name was Lost Boy. He had a really specific color scheme. And then my Tetrapods, I named him. What did I fucking name him? Deep Blue. I colored him blue too. Because of course I did. And then um, I had the Comeback Kid. He was a reverse joint melee guy. And then I had... Um, and then I made Walter's mech after I got that ending, and that was a my a different middleweight. Uh, that one had the moonlight. I was like, I want a good frame. Did you do moonlight or did you do red moonlight? I did regular moonlight. I didn't get the red moonlight till the fucking end because I was so behind I've on combat all, logs. I was gonna say I've got all <laughs> the parts, so I can I can build anything. <laughs> um, but I've got mine pulled up. If you want to know. Oh okay, yeah, let's let's hear the build. Okay. Um, now, I will admit that uh, the legs, depending upon which boss, because I did have to swap out legs for a couple of bosses. What'd you uh, swap to? Spring Chicken? <laughs> no, uh, Mind Alpha. Oh. Basically, if I needed more like left and right power, like uh, thrust power, mm. I'd just switch out. It's basically, like, Mind Alpha and Mind Beta are basically the same legs, except for one's reverse joint and the other's not. I see. Um, but anyways, so we've got the uh, Mind Beta legs. We've got 
the Nocturier or whatever arms. Uh, I think they're the best shooting arms. Yeah, best shooting arms of the game, for sure. Uh, then the core and the head are both the Fermeza uh, for the lightness of it all. Also, it's got some other uh, neatness. Like It's not just light, it's light, but it has some other like side bonuses. I, the head, I also fucked around bits and pieces, you're back and forth with different heads, so that one's not set in stone either. Anyways, the, the guns are easy. I've got the the DFGA08 HU bin. The Hubins? You got the Hubins? The Hubin miniguns. Both arms? And, <laughs> yeah, both arms. And then right unit and left unit are both songbirds. Nice. For the booster, I've got the boostiest of the boosters, uh, the uh, uh, G2, the BST G2, whatever. The the boosty, the and when we say boost, uh, if you see the mechs moving like they're on uh, skates, that's what we mean by boost. It's boost on. They're the boostiest of the boost. Um, then the FSC is whichever one that it's mm -hmm. a middle, uh, yeah, whichever one that the FCS. Probably the Talbot. Actually, I'm using the P0. Which is huh. I, I think that's a middle one, a middle range one because I sit. Ideally, I sit at a range that's just middle, but I think it's one that's a middle range one that's also got some uh, leaning in towards mm -hmm. the short range. I think that's the one I went with, and then the VP twenty C generator, which is um, it's one of the later game generators. Um, I've had a few other mechs that I played with here or there after the game, but that one. Um, that one right there was the one that I played the whole game with. It's possible to play the whole game with that mech. Um, right. For the Ibis, I did have to... So I had to leave the... It was the legs, or the Ibis that I had to change the legs for to back to Mind Alpha, because uh, I jumped too far with the dodges with Mind Beta. The, and so I... Instead of... Like, I needed the short hops that you get from the uh, uh, bipedal. Yeah. So I could dodge better. Um, yeah. Yeah, my, my record build my, for Lost Boy, like, I turned him into a boss killer after I got um, all of Walter's parts because, like, I had two different builds for him. One was, yeah. like, for missions and one was for bosses. Uh, and the boss build was, of course, a dual Zimmerman build. You know, whatever. Don't judge me. <laughs> and at no, first... It's, at it's first what it was, everybody does. Yeah. At first it was dual songbirds and then I got the stun needles. Um <laughs> but I was way more proud of my other bipedal mech that used Walter's parts because, like, I had the the plasma cannon for my gun, the the VVC or whatever. It shoots the purple, right? Um, and can be charged. I later swapped it out for the Karasara uh, after I finally got it. Um, and then my blade was, of course, the Moonlight. I did switch it out for the red one when I finally got it, but I only had a couple missions left. Um, and then for the back parts, uh, I had a shield. Uh, one of the better more coverage ones it was not good for parry but it was good for like sustained use because i would like pop around corners with it i wasn't trying to parry stuff i wasn't being that sweaty right if you want to parry things there are better shields there's like two different stats on the shield it's like when you parry and when you just have it up um so yeah, i had the one that was it feels <laughs> like the ones that should be parry shields or the ones that are like i feel like the names are inappropriate on the shields because i think yeah. the parry ones are called like the tower shield where the um like the hold out of the bucklers, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever. But anyways. Yeah. 
fucking bucklers. Reminds me of the fucking SDF one. Their little like bubble shell. <laughs> oh god, I remember those. Yeah. No. And then on my shoulder, I had um, whatever flavor missile the mission required. Usually vertical plasma, but sometimes something different. Um, whatever would fit. Um, and actually, no. Uh, I did eventually stop using missiles just because I didn't like them. And I did. Uh, it was after I got the Karasara. Because the VVC plasma rifle, uh, I never ran out of ammo. But with the Karasara, I ran out of ammo in every mission. It just doesn't have enough. That, that's normal. That's expected. Right? So I went with the um, the Ducket, that, that super long barrel handgun. That thing is really yeah. satisfying. <laughs> and as soon as I beat my first playthrough, because Walter was my first final boss, I was able to do my second and third playthroughs with that build. Um, because it felt dirty swapping to the the dual Zimmermans. I only did it if I was like in a hurry or bored. Um, but like I beat most of the bosses with the other build, and it was fine. I didn't have nothing to prove, but it was all right. It was fun. Uh, let's talk about that third ending though. So yeah, so the third ending. So I also want to say that New Game Plus Plus has a lot of changes in the story across the way, like. Um, you know, because New Game Plus had a couple of differences um, here or there, like, you know, a couple different missions, a couple of changes. Um, and yeah, but the. But New Game Plus Plus, like, there were wild changes, like, in the story. Like, uh, the Defend the Strider mission going sideways real fast. Mm -hmm. and, and nobody then... letting you know. It's being called to the boss arsenal before it went derelict like yeah and so because we were in in that in, in that side too a lot of things changed because my the all mind wasn't doing thing they're doing different things in the background instead of doing the things that she had been doing all along like destroying the boss out because the those invisible mechs are curse yeah yeah um and it's like uh, super crazy. Um, and then All Mind's messages to you are like super inappropriate. Like uh, in New Game Plus, it's like, oh, here's some new arena opponents. And you read the messages on them. And it's like, you're training an AI to be as good as a raven. Or I guess as good as you, right? And yeah, then, yeah. Um, but you, you can't go do the final tier. And then in New Game Plus Plus, um, Air catches on that All Mind isn't being honest with you. And she like hacks into something or something or other, some MacGuffin, whatever business. And you identify that there's arena data on Walter's Mac on um, an ephemera unit. Rusty, that, yeah. Yeah. Rusty's Mark II. And the, uh, well, in the Air Mech, which is. That an was, AC I, version it, of her Mac. Yeah, it's an AC version of. Well, it's basically the same as uh, a Firma, but it has. Uh, the back units are Walter's back units. That's the difference. And it's, it's it's really similar to her boss unit, but it's something you could pilot. It's just like, it, I get it. It's cool. Yeah. And so the the whole like going through all of uh, round three of it all is really wild. Because like, you know what's come, like you know something has to be different. And they let you know pretty fast that Round three is different, straight up. All mine also get like I feel like in each subsequent playthrough, all mine gets a little bit more human with her speech patterns. Which, in fairness, they could have gone with an AI to voice her, 
but they did legitimately use a voice actress um and then just uh go through that's why in uh, the final fight like when uh she's talking about how good of a pilot walter is she sounds human <laughs> yeah it's like that's well, a real subjective crazy. assessment miss ai lady huh yeah but uh the uh also we get introduced to kate who i'm 99 percent sure is all mind same same with i mean there. she yeah i mean she's piloting mind alpha which that in itself isn't that big of a deal her but like if mind you're alpha. if you're reading the entries in the second arena it's like we're training a mech to to do stuff and it's like oh yeah. hey that's that mech i trained yeah like we yeah, caught me, like me and destiny her... caught on right away like that's yeah fucked. <laughs> yeah well i mean I, it's the way that it was always going right uh, but um yeah, no, I thought it was really interesting. And, you know, all you know about her is her name's Kate, and she's an independent mercenary, just like you. <laughs> My hero! Uh, and, um, that... Oh, the destroying the transport choppers? That was a wicked mission. That was cool. I, that was hard. I, I only let two of them go, but it was at, right at the end. I was at my limit. <laughs> I was, yeah, like, running no, out of... I ran out of Karsara bullets. <laughs> <laughs> you ran out. You ran out of energy bullets. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, but so we've got these changes. Um, the uh, father uh, Dolmayan, He's somebody that the leader of the RLF. Um, and we finally rescue him in the second playthrough, and it's like, oh, we get to hear from him, and he's like, kind of like grizzled and desensitized. Well, he—he—it's not that he's broken. He's clearly broken. He sees things that aren't there. Well, they are there, but only we know they're there. <laughs> right. He's crazy uh, to everyone else, but us. Yeah. yeah, and that's why his second in command is the de facto leader. Um. Uh -huh. And but yeah, no, when he comes for you, like, because his mech is not that like fantastic on paper. But when he shows up, he fights. Yeah, and like, same with his arena battle. Like, he's just a really good pilot. Um, his, his mech sucks. Yeah, his mech is basically a shined up version of the of the uh, trash they shouldered you with on your uh, escape attempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the coral generator. Let's have a coral generator. Um, which is... I think Father uh, Domayan is uh, one of the uh old scientist or something maybe he's the one that went crazy i mean he might have been uh, he might be uh, because there's there's two older scientists in the um in the sketches they're not that much older but like they're adults whereas walter and carla were kids right um and uh one went crazy and the other with his sanity somewhat intact sacrificed himself to cause the fire yeah and i mean and Father Domayan keeps saying that we're going to burn, you know, the world and stuff like that. Whether, like, but I think he's seeing the all, you know, the things that have come to pass just in a different timeline, simulation, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think he just sees what Raven has done uh, in other other versions of it. And he just, and he went crazy because he's like Raven, who can talk to, he has a personal uh, waifu in his head, or had. His wife, who uh, probably burned in the first fires. I'm guessing or maybe maybe happened. it's a husbando. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, it was like Sarah or Soraya or something. Oh, like yeah, he said the name out loud. That's right. Yeah. Um, and that's when Air's like, oh, 
he was connected because she just assumed that he has he done a lot of drugs um trying to chase away his guilt you know what i would like happened. i would like to see a reverse armored core 2 because in armored core 2 the villain is the player character from the previous game i would like to see a game like a a, a prequel expansion um kind of like how project phantasma is a prequel to armored core 1 but it's the game that came out after right um mm -hmm. but maybe the player character could be father domayan uh and you can hear this weird ai in his head Maybe that will give reason to his actions, and we can see what the fires of Ivis looked like if this theory is true that he was there. That would be neat. I think he might have been, but regardless. Um, so his fight is... it. I, I really like that his fight comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember what mission it was in. I was like, was, oh uh, damn, it was what's the, he doing here? Um, the floating city mission. Oh, it, right, it, when the helicopter it, refight. That's right. Yeah, you're like, oh, I'm going to fight the helicopter again, whatever. And then he like one shots it, and we're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, and then he starts screaming at you, like, because the only time in the game that we hear him and he's really coherent. Yeah. Um, and like the this is this is a well, this is a tweaker that has sudden lucidity, basically. <laughs> and uh, he decides that he's going to use his sudden lucidity to go kill kill a motherfucker, yeah, with a giant robot fight. It was so badass. I fucking love this yeah. game, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, no. In in fairness, they have a lot of character, a lot of characters in this game, and they have to. They have some text on the side in their in their entries, maybe a combat log or two about them, and whatever mission they're in. So the VAs have to sell these characters, mm -hmm. and just a few lines uh, that they have. Yeah, and they do a. I don't. I don't think anybody drops the ball. There are some people that are less good than others, but I don't think that they're bad. I think that they're playing their characters well. Like uh, V three, when you kill V three, he's just like my time, I guess. Afterward, like when you kill mm -hmm. him, like uh, even the independents, like you know, they have like uh, you know the uh, the weeb when he shows up. Yeah, talking about justice and all that. You know, mm -hmm. it's like Oathbreaker. <laughs> and then Cold Call when uh, Iguazu hires him to, you know, oh man. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, because you're like, oh, I'm going to go kill Iguazu in the underground again. Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, I'll never look at that voice actor the same. It's like, I'm so excited for Victim to finally get to Armored Core 6 because, like, that voice actor that does Iguazu is one of his favorites. He plays, um, a lot of characters, but uh, most people would know him for playing uh, Tartaglia, otherwise known as Child, uh, in Genshin Impact. Um, that's probably his most popular role. He's in a lot of stuff, though. So we're coming up at the end of the new game, Plus Plus. So we need to talk about Iguazu. Because he's a lot more important than like the, I, I thought he was. Right. So he's this guy, um, right? He's in the Red Guns. He's Gun 5. And, and he's okay at his job. <laughs> he has this vendetta against the player. And in the first playthrough, I don't remember the reason why we fight him. Um, but we do fight him. And he we fight him at the, in the underground because we're we joined Arbicus uh, or Archibus to go right. down and scout for them. And the red guns uh, went ahead. And when we catch up to them, they start screaming traitor and stuff. And then he 
just as like this you know this is your fault i'm stuck down here because you you know you right he he basically puts all of his problems in life onto you right but the weird thing is is that when you fight him he's like what the hell is this ringing noise right and it's like it feels like a one-off comment at first and then in new game plus you're given the option to betray the red guns in one of the first missions in the game where iguazu is in your list of allies right and you yep. can beat him there and he already doesn't like you right and then that starts like a bitter rivalry where he shows up in a couple missions to to, to fight you um and in the part where you're supposed to fight him for the first time, he actually hires Cold Call to come take care of you. And then, uh, almost as if he remembers the last playthrough, um, in the third route, he's just even more aggressive. Right? Yeah, so one of the things about Iguazu as well is, so our surgery was apparently, uh, I don't know if our surgery was voluntary, but we're an independent mercenary. He, so they... In, this will lead into our why we think this game is prequel uh, going on here. The surgeries for the human, they're not called human plus yet, but um, the augment, human augmentation surgeries are multiple generations long and they are they're not perfect. Like basically what happens mentally to anybody who goes through the surgery is it exacerbates whatever mental trauma they've previously had um and it's big deal that you're the only fourth generation uh because the fourth generation were i think the only ones that used uh coral in uh the human augmentation right and i think uh iguasu is the only other in the same generation as you yes but he clearly well he was much later in well i actually i've still got the game up i can look iguasu's entry up Real quick, well, let's fact check that. Yeah, using primary sources <clears throat> right here on the yes, Melomancy podcast. Is. So, a backstreet gambler, Guasu bet big and lost, and he was forced to undergo experimental fourth generation augmentation surgery to pay back his debtors. All right, so uh, yeah. I think that makes him and the player character some of the only people with Gen 4. I mean, maybe there that other guy. Others. Yeah, hold on. Uh, who, which other guy? Sorry. the Remember the guy that knows about All Mine? That other Vesper oh, guy. Uh, what about him? Oh, V V three. I think yeah. they ju I think all mine just hire. Well, talk to him. Uh, let me. O'Keefe. O'Keefe is. Oh no, coral burn on his brain. So yeah, fourth gener. No, older generation doesn't say which one. It just says an older generation bog yeah. humans. So he could be fourth. He could be fourth. But fourth is considered old. Mm -hmm. But he has coral burn uh or coral burn in on his brain as he is as gotcha in his entry so he has coral in his brain which i think is a requirement for well it is a requirement for what uh all mind has in store it's just i feel like there's this like harry potter fucking neville Logbottom bullshit going on with iguasu that he was like one step away from being the main character and i think he's really bitter about not being the main character well yeah and well, he sees his problems in life being uh, one bad bet, essentially, that led to him being owned by the Red Guns. Because it's not a voluntary service to be in any of the... Um, mm -hmm. I mean, some of them are volunteer. Like, Freud is obviously... Like, being a V1, he's volunteer. Snail's probably also a volunteer, because he feels like he is Arbica uh, Archibus. I keep doing that, Arbicus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... 
yeah, he feels like, you know, he one of his voice lines is I am Archibus uh, for Snail. So um, I think. Yeah. Uh, every time you and, say but, every time you say Arbicus, I think like Arby's the restaurant, but in like the Roman Empire. <laughs> oh no, the Romans, they're coming again. Fuck, not again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, I think um, that's part of it. In, but yeah, Iguasu is a much more important character than we think he is. In fact, he's, in a lot of ways, the only reason that we can get our job done in uh, New Game Plus Plus anyways. Uh, yeah, so let, let's talk about like some of the most stark differences, like starting with the Coral Convergence, right? Yeah, so... so well, yeah, we should probably yeah the we should say what happens in each three each of the three endings. So in ending one, uh, in good ending, everything goes fine. Is basically just status quo, but all the corporations are, you know, shells because we killed most everybody involved. Um, and in ending bad ending, we light the coral on fire, and it's implied that the coral just basically burns all of space? Question mark. Like all of space in the camera is just red with red fire. Uh, so I I assume that we did something very bad, and basically all of Coral just disappears. We commit a real genocide, basically, on Coral. Um, and then in ending three, after we fight, we for our final boss, we fight All Mind. After All Mind has systematically just wrecked uh, everybody basically I, I like the lead up to it as well because like like i mentioned in both playthroughs right um you get captured after you defeat the ibis unit right yeah we skipped that fight <laughs> yeah all mind is like hey they're gonna capture you uh if you do this so i'm actually gonna ping uh where snail is and you should go kill him and i'm like fuck yeah i hate that guy Right and I'm, yeah, and while we're fighting Snail, guess who shows up? Fucking Iguasu. Iguasu, and he screams about the like the ringing in his uh, ears, which apparently is a lot more intense as the game progresses for him. Mm -hmm. um, so we take them all out, right? Lived, though. Yeah. yeah. So we, we we take them all down. It works out great, and we basically crawl our way to somewhere safe. Um, I'm not sure. But the implication is there. Uh, well, I, all mind, I, uh, all mind uh, takes us to heaven? Question mark. She takes us like, to somewhere safe, and it's like, if you can get to this point, I can guarantee your safety. And it's like, all right, cool. There's a lot of be you're going to be safe. No one can ever hurt you again. Kind because there has to be a time skip for the final chapter because they build that 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 siphon out into space when it was underground before, right? Yeah, and I think well, I think she puts you on ice basically, mm -hmm. and then she has to wake you up because uh, Carla and Walter aren't going to take things lying down. Yeah, they're attacking. And it's like, oh, okay, we need to wake you up. Wake the dog up. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, and I... I appreciate Walter clearly knew something was up with All Mind. Mm -hmm. uh, because All Mind goes he out of her way to, to exclude Walter from everything that she talks to us about. Yes. And, but he clearly knew something was up because he comes prepared. Fight I think um, their secret organization, the Observers, knows a thing or two about the AI, and they seem uh, to be opposed to them. But what I think is more interesting is actually Branch, right? So, the Observers and Branch are not the same organization. Yeah. 
And we only learn, we only really learn about Branch and the arena descriptions of its three members. Uh, And in each description, it's like there's four members. They rotate, right? And it's like, oh, who's the fourth member? King, Chartreuse, and I forget who the other one is. It was one other. But the the mystery fourth member is Raven, uh, the one whose license we stole, right? Almost certainly, yes. Yeah, um, because we fight Raven on a branch mission where they say to each other, this is a branch mission. And it's like, oh, I get it. Okay, cool. Um, And branch appears to be directly opposed to the AI. And in their descriptions, they talk about some event that happened on Station 31, right? Uh, Well, the battle arena where you fight All Mind and I think also Air uh, in those two endings is Station 31. How convenient that that's the same place where branch apparently did some legendary hack maneuver in their descriptions that's worth writing about. That's a weird connection, right? Yeah. It almost makes you wonder if their actions had caused the the malice within All Mind, perhaps. I don't know. There's something going on there. Armor Core games are really good at that, where they, they leave those plot lines. Like, it's just enough to speculate on, but we don't really fucking know. Right? Yeah, I love I that shit. I, I, see, I eat that shit uh, up. The, I love it. <laughs> so I've, I'm burning through, and I don't think there's actually anything uh, about the members three or four. Now, it's fully possible that Raven's Handler is one of uh, the members as well. Possibly. That would make sense. Honestly, if Raven's uh, one of them, then it would make sense if Raven's Handler is the And Raven's Handler might be handling the other two as well. Yeah, Raven's Handler might be the one in charge. Because I don't think King is the... Um, yeah. King is believed to be the oldest on the roster. And this is something, don't, this is something that I want to point out too with the game they do a very bad job of telling you whether or not you kill or don't kill some people mm-hmm. but apparently we didn't kill branch like or raven in the like in the lore in the lore of the game canon of the game we did not kill them um like i don't know they didn't say anything there's nothing about it they they're as good as dead because they never show up again right but uh, apparently in the canon, uh, we don't kill them. So let's talk or about that. not Raven. Let's talk about that yeah. final sequence. So we show yeah, the up. Yeah, final sequence. We show up. Um, we do some. Uh, we run around. We have a timed mission where we have to stab. Where we have to stab some uh, mm-hmm. hacking generator things. Yeah. And make well, them go away. I'll talk about the mission after that. So, yeah, we, we oh, do yeah. what All Mine wants. And uh, uh, All Mine takes she... care of Walter and Carla off screen. Off which screen, is... yeah scary that she can do that um and then she does the most human thing possible she lies to us right (laughs) yes she lies to you and she's like hey everything's gonna be fine apparently i guess they were just gonna like throw you and uh well air is inside your head so yeah throw you and air into into the sun basically i never felt what they were gonna do i never felt more in danger when all mine refers to air by name it's like, oh, fuck, <laughs> I'm discovered. <laughs> right, because, like, and she, what does she call uh, air? It's like, um, anomaly. Like, mutated waveform. She called her a mutated, mutated waveform. Wave which implies that most of the coral is not, um, not sentient. My, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it, that, that's, again, one of those lines that has a, shit ton of implications and we will not elaborate further right that's just armor core style like um everyone talks in one-liners and all the emails are relatively short like but it's all there damn it and there's never a meeting when it could have been an email 
Right. <laughs> so we um, show up on meeting, this. It's important. So we show up on Station Thirty One, and All Mind is like, "Oh, surprise! Actually, we're gonna kill you. You uh, don't belong in our future." And uh, and then he, the well, fucking... they have to kill us to start the. Uh, is it? It's the convergence. Oh, uh, hang on. The coral release. Coral release. Convergence. Right. Convergence is the one All Mind scoffs at because right. she's like, that actually does nothing. <laughs> so the coral. The reason why we blow up the thing in Act One. Uh, is to see the direction that the coral blows in the wind because coral likes to gather, right? And All Mind's objective from the get-go in act in the third route, which she tells us about but doesn't tell us what it is, is called Coral Release. Yeah, it's and, to gather all of the coral at once and release and, it into the stars. Right, release it all into space. Such that they can't um, reform together because they, they can't travel through space, right? So gravity and stuff, right? The idea is that spread coral to more planets other than Rubicon and then let it do its reproduction thing that it's already doing, right? Yeah. Um, and it's like, oh, that's a weird goal. Um, and it's like, so so let's talk about the final fight. Like, yeah, that so, was some cool and shit. And then Iguasu shows up again, but he's already dead. And he knows that you've killed him more than once. He directly says that. That's really weird. So that... That's my belief that that's why I think it's a well, ultimately, the difference between whether it's a simulation or whether it's a time loop is irrelevant. Honestly, I think it's a time loop or at least the first two runs were simulations if they're not uh, time loops, because the third ending has to happen if this is a prequel. Like the third right. ending has to be a, a physical reality uh, in the world of Armored Core. It really is the true ending. Yes. So Iguasa doesn't quite show up so much as he like starts talking when you're looking at All Mind's mech, and he has become one with All Mind. The very thing she promised us, she did to him. But I think he probably got the short end of the stick, all things considered. Um, right, and then he gets and then the, so angry that he breaks the connection and just takes over the mech in the third part of the fight because the the it's a first round, which is a mi- which is basically a souped-up version of Iguasu's regular AC with a lot less health, and then four four additional almost ACs to fight with them that die or paper thin. Um, it's then great. after that, then after which is a great fight. Then round two starts where he shows up in like a super form of Air's uh, boss fight mech, mm-hmm. and then Air shows was- up. <laughs> In the mech that she fights us in in the arena, because uh, the mech version uh, or the AC version of her boss form is in the arena. And she's like, I think I can pilot this. And she's like, let's have some fun. Let's have an arena fight. And then that same mech shows up in the ending like, hey, I found it. It was in space. I'm going to fight. uh, Yeah, that was such a like, yes, moment. I don't know why. I don't know why I was so excited for that. But I was super excited for air showing up. Your robot waifu, take form. Yes. (laughs) And uh, don't worry, Iguasu's got backup too. Two, four, two sea spiders. Yeah, that was some bullshit. I was like, I when I finally beat him, I didn't even fight the sea spiders. I'm just like, I I'm going to ignore I them. Um, I, at my first couple attempts, I killed the sea spiders really quickly, um, and then right, focus on him. But a I, lot weaker. But I, I just too. couldn't deal with him uh, after right. dealing well, with the he, spiders. I was too spent. He want, yeah, he wants you. Dead, right? And then he, the man gets so angry, he breaks all like the AI and coral connections within the vicinity. So Including Air. Pilot, yeah, Air can't pilot her mech. She can still talk to you, but she can't pilot the mech. And then you and Iguazu just have a knockdown drag out. 
A one-on-one, man-to-man, fucking. And it's you love it. A oh. really good fight. Um, it's one I, of the, like that's why I want Victim to play this game because he's always talking about how he really likes final boss battles that are just like one-on-one, like 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 sweaty brawls, like Metal Gear Solid Four and Persona Five, oh. right? Like, despite Walter being objectively the easiest of the three final bosses, all three final bosses are good fights, I think. Yeah. Like, all of them are full of emotion. Um, And, yeah, no, it's fantastic. And so at the end, the final scene is uh, All Mine takes back over after you beat Iguasu uh, in the mech, because I guess wherever Iguasu's held with inside the mech explodes, because... In, in a stark contrast to Walter, when you beat Walter, Walter has an opportunity to go for a final shot and he doesn't take it. Iguasu tries to and it blows up in his hand. He just he took too many L's. Like, he, like, Iguasu comes in for a final, like, I've uh, at you and just falls apart. Like, the mech falls apart uh, mid-charge. It's, it's a really good scene. Yeah. And, uh, it, what I like about the ending after Iguasu's dealt with and All Mine ceases to be, right? Um, Air and the player are still all in on Coral release. They just didn't want to die, right? They wanted no, to see it through. Right. Well, because they're like, well, we, they, and they, I think the issue is they just wanted to do it on their turn and also not die because well, All Mine's solution was to kill us to release the Coral. Uh, she needed to release air and us at the same time. And release in this turn being kill all I give her style. Um, mm-hmm. But we didn't have to do that. We killed uh, her instead. <laughs> right. And But that wasn't a requirement. It We turn all the coral into what I can best describe as a black hole. <laughs> in, mm-hmm. And then it explodes out uh, as it can't, obviously can't it's you know be that dense and explodes out across all of human space or all of space i guess but then we cut to some time later well we're in a very shallow uh pool of water i guess yeah Yeah. i get it's a very like we say a pool of water but it's a very wide pool of water as there are a bunch of mech corpses in there it's like Uh, a like a flooded valley yeah, it's like a mech graveyard. And all the mechs get red lights as uh, the coral start taking over. And Air says the uh, the mech, or the COM, because COM, is, you know, which is your um, combat computer, has apparently also been working for All Mine this whole time. They just have a throwaway line with that one where it's like, wake him up. <laughs> of course, Master. <laughs> like, like, COM, even you? <laughs> I, I, felt you so betra- I felt so betrayed by my own mech, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, Air takes over his line. Of, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, beginning combat operations. Uh, also, you know, but he, Calm is the voice that says, like, one repair kit remaining or whatever. Or right. Ammo at 50%. Right. Uh, it's the mechs. It's the mechs. Augmented Dumb human C four six two one entering standby mode. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Calm is the mech's dumb AI that probably does all the calculations for you. Yeah, like all the all the things that would be that your brain does so you can walk. Calm handles that stuff. So let me, let me talk about timeline for a bit. So yeah, I want to know more. 
I, I, and I'm going to tell you. So in this ending, we see a bunch of mechs rise. And I, the implication I arrive at is Air and now also the player character uh, have, are Coral, and they have inhabited mech bodies, uh, meaning anything with a computer brain uh, is fair game for the Coral to inhabit. But as we know, Air is a mutant, and the other ones can't talk, or they don't, they don't say anything in the ending, right? So presumably... Um, I believe that the coral is a conscience, right? Uh, and they are inhabiting these mechs and some of them may learn to talk. Some of them may not, right? They might develop over time, but I think this explains a lot of what happens in the armor core franchise. So let me talk about the timeline theory and then yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to relate it back to this ending. So here's the argument for this being a prequel. So there's this prevalent theme in AI or sorry, in armor core where AI is either evil or goes rogue and wasn't previously evil, right? And now I think they're just always evil, right? So in every Armored Core game, an AI thing manipulates events and manipulates mercenaries, manipulates corporations such that there is war, an almost human extinction event apocalypse, and the repopulation of Earth. It keeps playing out the same way. It keeps playing out in a capitalist society with corporations that are greedy. It keeps playing out with muscle tracers and ACs, even though the different games are separated by such great distance, potentially, or are in different universes, but they keep using the same terms, right? Yep. And in many of the games, there's constant reference to ancient civilizations and technology that are beyond the current understanding of what they have. So, Weirdly, I, AC6 doesn't do that. I have put the theory together. Um, here's the theory, right? In Armored Core 1, there is this thing called the Great Destruction, which describes the, uh, the event that ended the Great War that drove everyone underground for generations and made the service uninhabitable for a long time, right? In Armored Core 3, uh, people live underground uh, after being driven underground by a devastating event that they don't call the Great Destruction, they call it something else, right? Um, and Armored Core 4, no such thing. Uh, but most people are in space because the Earth is just uninhabitable from all the war, right? And it's like, so the argument is often made that Armored Core 1, Project Phantasma, Master of Arena, 2, 2, Another Age, one universe in itself. And then Armored Core 3, Silent Line, Nexus, Ninebreaker, Last Raven, a different universe, different timeline. 4, 4 Answer, 5, Verdict Day different timeline that's the that's the normie explanation right that's the non-critical thinking explanation right all right let's critical think this up the critical thinking explanation is the great destruction is a single event that only happened one time only one time right so that would make the timeline look a little bit like this ac4 that's the beginning there's no acs there's lynxes right it's not the same fucking thing right during the Orca Rebellion in Armored Core 4, I don't remember if it was in 4 or 4 Answer, it's one of the two. Um, but during the Orca Rebellion, the Great Destruction happens, right? Um, very specifically, in Armored Core 4 and 5, right, uh, it's described that there's this thing called Kojima Particles that powers the Link Shields. Um, and there's like Kojima Particle weapons and stuff. It's like their ultimate weapon shenanigans, right? Um Shit happens in Armored Core 4 such that many of the humans are able to escape into space. 
right? Some of the humans remain on Earth, right? Um, that's important. So some of the humans escape into space. Um, that could potentially lead into Armored Core 6. Uh, maybe uh, if it's not a prequel to Armored Core 4, but a prequel to the rest, because I'm about to describe the rest. So let's forget about AC6 for a minute, right? Okay, so Armored Core 4 happens. The Great Destruction happens as a result of Armored Core 4's events. Some people make it into space. Some people don't. Armored Core 5 happens. Uh, the villains in Armored Core 5 and Verdict Day are AIs left behind by the humans that left, right? Um, and over the course of Armored Core 5, the surface is somewhat inhabitable, but it is a fucking hellscape, right? Time passes. Armored Core 1 happens. People return to the surface. The surface is green, mostly. Uh, there's super weapons in space that are super old. The Human Plus program uh, is actually stolen technology from before the Great Destruction. Armor Core 1 happens, right? There's evil AI and all that shit. Time passes, maybe. Armored Core 3 happens. Either time passes uh, and the people in Armored Core 1 and 2 fucking kill each other. Um, and generations later, the people in Armored Core 3 are waking up to the oppression of their AI overlord and they're going onto the surface for the first time, unaware that it was habitable. Generations after AC1's events, right? Or, or, and this could be either way, honestly, or Armored Core 3 are people living underground, oppressed by an AI, on one of the first planets colonized by the people who left in Armored Core 4. That is also possible, right? Point is, is AC3 happens way fucking later is all we really know it, whether or not it takes place on earth not sure right um if it does then everyone in ac1 is fucking dead right uh and they left nothing behind because of all the meddling <laughs> and the war or it's on a different fucking planet and they were just underground to begin with because of their ai said so right um because it's unclear if layered the city in armor core 3 uh was on earth or some other planet colonized after ac4 so if Armored Core 6 and the Coral release is what made AI malicious because all these Rubiconians, whether or not they're sentient, whether or not they have speaking skills, like the, the AIs across the franchise have different levels of articulation skills, right? Um, right. And different levels of uh, evilness, right? Like Chatty Stick was a good but dude. But they're all evil, <laughs> except for Chat AC. Chatty Stick right. was a good dude, but Nine Ball was not. <laughs> right right well um, chatty stick is a good dude but chatty sticks also a lot more unique in the ais because as carla points out she could have saved uh, saved his data or you know at any point in time but she treated him like a living person and gave him one life to live right and he was cool with that in fact he no. goes above and beyond in two of the three endings he tries to kill you after you killed him and or carla or all mine killed Carla. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like yeah. after the fact, after you, his body's been destroyed, he still tries to kill you in uh, the uh, good ending. So I think AC six probably happens after AC four because I think the spacefaring humans that escaped all the bullshit happening in AC four uh, will comprise of corporations like Balaam and Archibus that colonized Rubicon. Um, after the fires of Ibis, which means there was a different group that came before them. And who knows what else these spacefaring humans are up to. They probably never looked back uh, at their home world and had no intention of going back, right? 
and they're just making their own history. Like there could be humans out there in the Armored Core universe in space uh, doing whatever. But there's this common theme in Armored Core where AI is malicious and it is architecting events such that capitalism is a thing, corporations are greedy, they go to war, the government is like non-existent, and for some reason they fight in mech suits. Um, in the same, and obviously they're not the same mech suits every time. Right. Now, I do. They use the same is... terminology though, and also like yes. the AI obviously knows the technology because the AI often has a hand in developing these weapons, and so there's a reason they turn out the same every time. Yeah. Now I did. There were a couple of things that um, I do. I'm gonna poke a little bit, and I want to kind of ask how you think about this one where so the the particles in for answer you think that that's coral just on earth they don't have the name coral yeah i think so like i think nine ball uh i think nine ball is a rubiconian a coral entity right i think ibis in fucking armor core silent line rubiconian right dove rubiconian uh, the pulverizers, maybe. I don't know. I, I need to replay Ras Raven. Well, the reason I ask uh, for for answer because you know the the next is what I was getting at specifically because mm. it requires psychic humans uh, to pilot. So them, right, I I think in Armored Core Four and for answer they laid the groundwork for potentially like augmented humans. Right, I don't I don't remember the plot very well. Right, but like I I really do think Armored Core Four happens before Armored Core Six. Well, the only reason I well, I was specifically talking about the uh, the next stuff in uh, Armored Core Four answer is um, the the particles that they are using to do the whole next thing are destroying the Earth. That that's kind of what leads from four to five. Even though there's some great span of time difference, like great enough that nobody knows anything. And my other thing is the. The Balaam engines really throw me off because they're so old, for lack of a better term, technology-wise. Balaam uses combustion engines. Does anybody else at any point in time in Armor Core use combustion engines? Yeah, no. Even in Armor Core 1, they're called pulse generators. So, not even there. The shields are also a bit of a confusion thing, too, for me, because they're not pulse shields aren't really a thing in any other Armor Core, are they? Pull shields? Mm, I mean, so the uh, Kojima particles were a big part of Armor Core Four, and that's how you get your shields. That's how you get some of your super weapons. But um, that that would okay. So that would lead into four. six. Might just be an offshoot from four. Like four could eh, have a Y shape for like, well, not a Y shape, but like it could exist in the same timeline as five basically like at the same time five is happening on the devastated earth with one city left um full six is out here happening in space and you know that would explain actually that would explain why nobody ever leaves earth the planetary closure administration would be just keeping people from going back to earth for lack of better terms not just keeping people on earth the people on earth don't have a way off earth and it's like it's been a while since I played Armor Core Four and Four Answer, but like malicious AI are not in their story. No, but they're the only AI that's in. Well, no, never mind Five. I'm thinking Five. The only AI that's in Five is only assumed to be an AI. I don't think it's said one way or the. Uh, but he, it's the 
it's your rival for lack of better terms in five yeah uh, it's not and, even and five is boss, a sequel to four answer and so the implication is there were ais created and left behind when people left the earth and they don't really have a good like and that's definitely one of those ones they could have just said five was um post four four well four answer um because five is a devastated earth devastated by the kojima particles but i i'm wondering if the kojima particles are just a poorly understood coral like no they could the be explosion because hmm. this could happen like do we escape so the escape to space does that happen at the end of four or four answer i think it's the end of i, I don't remember <laughs> we'll have I to think dig it we'll have, have to, to dig, dig it some more bit. yeah because that's a because whenever the escape to space is is going to uh, but four answer doesn't happen very long after four. Yeah, because so it may the not player matter. character, yeah. yeah, the player character from four is a pilot of White Glint in four answer. Right, and in regular four, uh, the original pilot of White Glint, uh, because of corporate meddling, gets put into an experimental next that's like the final boss. You take him down. And then you take over yeah, White Glint. Yeah, his Metal Gear. Yeah. And then, like, Armored Core 4's story is all about the meddling of corporations and uh, apocalyptic Earth, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas Armored Core 5 is, like, after the Great Destruction, what was five Earth like? Is, yeah, 5 is less corporate-focused. It's more... It, 5 was made in the time frame while, where the U.S. was doing an awful lot of uh, um, sandbox play. And... Uh, <laughs> and uh that, yeah uh, and but we were we were doing afghanistan that's why the parallels for police you know police state um uh, and our police force was starting to get a little bit more um militarized and things like that that's when that's when five came out and so that's kind of the theming on that is uh you know what's better guaranteed safety the you know price of the gun your freedom or freedom functionally the two factions uh philosophies um yeah i just i didn't like armor core 5 so like it's well, kind no, of a blur in my memory the, yeah in five you join the terrorists <laughs> like you're you're one of the police officers that protect the city the terrorists have a police attack or attack you fend them off sort of and then a year later you're one of the terrorists because i think what the leader of the terrorists say said has like one line to you in the opening mission that's like hey you should join us here's my philosophy character in a nutshell your guy mulls over it for a year and he's like you know what that's the right answer i i mean in fairness it is the right answer but it's the right answer in the way that like captain america mcu captain america is a mary sue like the world bends itself around uh that philosophy to make it work um yeah anyways so that's armor like armor core six i i could buy like i definitely think it fits in because i i think it's before at least some of the games because i think like it's before most of the games i just i i don't think it's before armor core four because there's no yeah. like tie well i mean the only tie that i can think of would be if coral is the kojima particle mm -hmm. also armor core four like absolutely 100 percent takes place on earth oh it does four and five take place on earth they absolutely do but remember, the coral release spreads them far and wide, fast, literally faster than the speed of light. 
Yeah, so it's like I would really willing to believe that if in Armored Core 4 or 4 Answer, not sure which one, some people left Earth and did shenanigans in space, like all that stuff that happened on Rubicon totally could have happened before Armored Core 5 because an undetermined amount of time happens between Armored Core 4 and 5. Yeah, it's not long enough that... Uh, that it's long enough that you... Curate. It's long but enough that you can go back to the surface of the planet because that was kind of a plot point in four answer is that the surface is just done, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a reason that you guys fight on the ocean basically constantly. In five, they're they're down. Humanity's down to one city, and like, but some of the backdrops from four are in five. Like, uh, there's a fortress that you destroy in four or four answer. I forget which. And the husk of that fortress is in five. Um, and this is—it's not something they could have accidentally done, you know, just reuse an asset or something like that. Because four and five are on, are on entirely different ch- console generations. They had to redraw that fortress. Mm-hmm. Um, they wouldn't have done it without a good reason. No, uh, you're absolutely right. Like, because if this was like you know PS One era, they reused some of those assets because, well. That's what they had. <laughs> it was expensive and time-consuming. You know, you didn't have a you know twenty-man team drawing backgrounds for you or whatever. Like mm-hmm. now, <laughs> you didn't have AI helping you draw those backgrounds, um, like or upscaling the backgrounds because basically any textures that are you know have the like five twelve. Uh, 1024 and two, uh, you know, what is it? K, 1K, and 2K, any of that, that's all AI upscaling. Nobody draws those by hand. Um, they draw one by hand and let AI handle the rest. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, no, Armor Core 6, so I definitely really enjoyed my time with the game. It is. Has it inspired you to go back and play some of the older ones? No, no, mostly because no. I don't typically go back and play older games. That's not my wheelhouse. Um, you just I have. Wh- why do that when you can replay XCOM, right? Like, <laughs> well, that's my well, that's my one exception is XCOM, and mm. even then, you know, I look. If you want to do a deep dive on the XCOM that I play at some point in time, no, it's okay. Can. It's okay. It's okay. Not today. <laughs> today is not that day. But we can sometime because I will happily talk to people about X Pirates. Because what's more fun than XCOM? XCOM with half-naked pirate, or actually naked pirates. They they do not care. They have a blast, and it is great. And murder everybody. Pew, 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 pirates. Anyways. So you had a great time. I had a great time. This is one of the better Armored Core games. Uh, I do think, at the end of the day, it was a lot easier than a lot of the Armored Core games. because yeah. Not because the fights weren't hard. They were definitely hard. Some of the hardest fights in the franchise, perhaps. But... There was no penalty for dying. None. No, you're absolutely right. And never, ever did I ever take home a negative balance. Um, maybe you did because you used the human. Uh, but um, well, there were. Well, no, I didn't ever. I don't think I ever took. A, well, I think I did a one mission that pays you nothing, but requires you to fight a lot. But that's beside the point. Like, I, yeah, I had already bought all the parts by that point, so it didn't matter. And it's like, wow, like, there's no penalty for trying again. So, like, 
and normally I would play very conservatively in our, the old gen Armored Core games. I would be prepared for whatever the mission has to throw at me, and I would pay very close attention to the briefing to make sure I brought what was required. Like, if I knew I was running into a boss mission, I'd bring stuff for it, right? And, like, that's just not the case with Armored Core 6. It's like, the briefings don't really tell you anything helpful. And um, you never know when there's going to be a boss lurking around the corner. And they're just going to kill you because you're like one repair kit remaining after a big long fucking sortie. And it's like, all right, time to fight a boss. And it's like, I'm not fucking ready for this. I didn't know there was going to be a boss in this fucking mission. And then it's yeah. like, all right, uh, I guess I'll load AC data, get the, di- <laughs> get, get the Zimmermans, reload. Yeah. Okay. No, it's absolutely re- fine. And you and know then what? You load your checkpoint with three repair kits in the barrel and your double Zimmermans, and then it's just easy. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I. So, gameplay-wise, I really did enjoy the gameplay. I do feel like they... I think Japan in general, when it comes to their action and our action RPG games, uh, currently has a significant love of the stagger bar. Yeah, uh, they really over-indexed on that stagger mechanic. That was weird. The stagger, like, I don't mind the stagger mechanic being so, there. To be However, fair, uh, to be fair, there is a stagger mechanic in the other games. It's not a bar that breaks. It's this weapon fucking shell shocks you. I'm going to stun lock you until you're dead. <laughs> right. Well, and obviously they can't have that. Well, uh, you can build against it. You can build stable mechs that uh, don't stagger as bad when you hit them with big things. Yeah. And I think, well, and that's kind of what I was thinking about when I think, think about this game is the reason like so there's a meta with the zimmermans these long-range shotguns and uh the stun needles is the stun needles uh use a essentially use the poison mechanic from dark souls um and so it's a second it's essentially an additional stagger you can hit people with um on top of the fact that you've got very broken shotguns (laughs) um and it's I think stagger in this game is it's fine, but it essentially it means that none of the like there's no good build for just long fights or not just long fights, but I mean like um damage like consistent damage. You need to be doing alpha damage. Like you need to be just like not you know, set up knockout kind of shit. And that's really unfortunate that I think because once you break this game, the game is super easy. Yeah, like I'll I'll say that uh, the fight with Balteus the first time was really exciting because it was really hard and I really did not have the right equipment at first. And then when you finally him. break him, it's like the yes moment. Or the and then first nothing, time you fight the yeah. Ibis, if you don't aren't using yeah actually if you aren't I, using the Zimmermans. Even even with the Zimmermans, my first Ibis fight did not go very well. It's like uh, I had to learn his like attacks to dodge it right. Uh, but once I did, it was over. <laughs> yeah, like but, oh yeah. By the time you get to Ibis, the second round, you're like, mm. but also, that was so fun. I was like, oh, I finally fucking beat him, and it's like, oh, round two, bitch. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> but, Ibis uh, is the first yeah. uh, first second uh, health bar boss in the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not the last. <laughs> No, but it's the but it's a good it's a good surprize, I think. Uh, yeah. Like because they keep it in the chamber long enough. Because 
all the bosses have a two stage, whether or not they're like much of a difference. Like the um, the juggernaut isn't much of a second stage difference. The biggest difference with him is he's now facing you, and you've got to outmaneuver him. And that thing is surprisingly mobile. <laughs> yeah, on my third playthrough, I tried so fucking hard to kill it before Rusty left, but like as soon as he was done talking, it died and he was gone. I was like, fuck. <laughs> Rusty does have like an extra line of dialogue if you kill it before he goes. I, I just wasn't fast enough. Um, but yeah, but I, I will say this, like uh, other than the Balteus fight the first time around and the helicopter fight, just because of the equipment available, right? Like the arena opponents in Project Phantasma that have human plus enhancements so they can throw their laser blade, which they have the moonlight, of course, more difficult than fucking Armor Core 6. It's not that hard. No, it isn't. <laughs> Once it's you get not, it. Well, and like I said, one like I an objectively inferior build, and I'm not like some great player. I just had to learn how the boss mechanic. Mm -hmm. Also, this take of mine is fresh. Like I just beat the arena in Project Phantasma yesterday, right? <laughs> like, oh no, you're absolutely good. No, no, I'm I'm agreeing with you that the other games were almost certainly more difficult than this one mm -hmm. in some of the some of the fights, and honestly, the. My most fun in this game were in the arena fights. I enjoyed fighting the arena mechs more than I enjoyed fighting bosses. Like none of the arena mm -hmm. fights gave me that like fist pump in the air, yes kind of reaction when I won. But it was much more enjoyable fighting an opponent that wasn't cheating, for lack of better terms. I was hoping for just a little bit more fan service, like in uh, and again, I haven't played another age, but in Armor Core Two, another age. Uh, there are some optional missions that let you refight some of the final bosses from previous, the, like Masters of Arena and Project Phantasma. And I've seen them on YouTube. They look really good. And they look really good in PS2 graphics, too, right? And it's like, um, I wanted that. <laughs> yeah, well, the only difference is like, the mechanics in this game are. I don't think they're wildly different, but they're different enough they'd have to a lot more than just you know upscaling the textures i'm fine with that i think that would be fun as fuck like i love it when final fantasy does it it's like oh hey that's the behemoth king i've killed him in like every game i'm hype right maybe it, they'll maybe they'll eventually do it because like we know we're gonna get a dlc for this like it is standard hell though like all the additional games they had for the ps1 and ps2 era those would have been dlc if dlc had been invented yet so, we risk making this episode entirely Armored Core if we don't stop. Okay, yeah. Um, you know what? I loved it. Really great game. Play it. <laughs> I yeah. recommend it. So, here, <laughs> I'm gonna... So, I actually have pared this, my other thing, down quite a bit to uh, be yeah. like... So, I have completed, quote-unquote, Starfield for the first time, uh, the main quest. Oh, uh, Okay. Yeah, I've done the main quest, and there's a new game plus. Um, there seems to be like a relative consensus that if people want to go seek out story about how you know what new game plus is and all that, they can do it. But as a community, without like anybody having to say anything, because the we we have come to the consensus that. Everybody should take the journey for themselves if they're interested in the story. Watch somebody play it, whatever. But uh, telling you about telling you about the story, one of the it's like a thriller. Because like there, I'm 
personally, I don't care about spoilers when it comes to things, typically. However, if you had me watch, like, told me that we're going to watch a thriller, right? Like, for movie night, and then you tell me the, you know, what happens in the thriller or a mystery ahead of time, then that does objectively ruin the thing. And Starfield's story is much the same way. It does start off slow. People are not wrong about that. So, you know, Starfield is an imperfect game. Uh, but I also think all games are imperfect. They're created by humans, the committees, and like, especially now, games are further. I think games now are further from perfect than games back in the 90s, honestly. Because um, we have so much greater, like, scope that we can address that things just get too big. And, but, and really, Starfield is space Skyrim. That that's what I was told it was going to be. People have blown a lot of things out of proportion. You know, you've seen a lot about it too. I'm sure, Dylan. Um, you know, the, oh, a lot for of sure, the for sure. A lot of the discourse with the game, both positive and negative, is disingenuous. Uh, the negative, the negative things about the game, almost exclusively disingenuous cherry picking, um, or things that were not promised in the first place that just got overhyped. The game was never going to be like a space opera. Um, you know, it's a Bethesda RPG set in space. Like, it'd be like being mad at New Vegas, you know, the best Fallout game, apparently. And I, I have a different opinion on that, but the community consensus is Fallout New Vegas is the best New Vegas. It'd be like getting mad at it being set in the desert when it's set in Nevada. Like, yes, it, like, it'd be getting mad, like, like, it, yes, it's in, the, it's the same thing, but, like, it's like when people got mad at the whole, like, you can't just walk on completely around the planet, like, I don't want to spend three months holding the W key. Of course not. That's an objectively stupid idea. That would be a right. waste of time and resources on Bethesda's part. So, um, so did you like it? Oh yeah, no, I really did. Yeah, I really, and I do think, like I say, I do think that the story starts slow because mm -hmm. you join a faction that, like the the main story faction, you are forced to join um, for story reasons is an exploration faction. They're called Constellation. Their whole thing is to go out and explore because space is really big and despite humanity have been having been in space for like 200 years like exploration still hasn't stopped. I mean a lot of people are fine with where things are but there are a handful of people, Constellation, who are like no we should still go explore more. There's always more to find. And a lot of the game is going and collecting things. The framing around collecting the things is a bit different. You know, the, it, it, these artifacts, it's like, if you've seen the trailer, you you know that you're collecting uh, weird art, weird uh, uh, rounded artifacts. Um, and the but, like, you know, people keep boiling, like, People keep boiling that things down to like the, the the base parts, and I think that's disingenuous. 
Like, if I boil Lord of the Rings down to two really short guys go on a hike to a volcano to throw a ring in it, it sounds really fucking boring, doesn't it? <laughs> but that yeah. is objectively the story of Lord of the Rings. There's a lot around it, but that is the goal. Where <laughs> that is the goal is to throw a ring in a volcano. It's a long and arduous journey. And don't get me wrong, you could crit path this game and be done with it real fucking quick. Absolutely. But that's the same with most RPGs. Like, you could crit path Zelda. <laughs> like, the two new Zeldas, you can fight the boss right out the gate if you really want to. I think you can do it in uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Don't at me if I'm wrong. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or you can at me if I'm wrong, I don't care. Uh, I just won't it's read just, it. A lot of the discourse around this game seems to be, like, um, predisposed to not like it. Right, well, and actually, the, that's kind of perfect for talking about it in Armored Core 6. I know I've talked about this on the previous episode, we talked about this the same time, you know, a little in person as well, but I feel like people are like the media groups in general, they're whatever the like the conglomerate of games journals are, are predisposed to dislike some things. And I don't know why. There doesn't seem to be a lot of rhyme and reason for it, unless it's a PlayStation first party exclusive, in which case they need to suck its dick. Um, but like, you know, if I compare this to IGN, I think gave um, the the shitty Magic Parkour game. Uh, a 7 out of 10 as well, right? Because they gave Starfield and the, that the same score, I think. Oh, wait, wait. They gave... Oh, I gotta fact check that. That is... I think. Uh, <laughs> hold on. We are gonna Google that. They gave IGN or Spoken. Or Spoken, that's what it was. Maybe they gave it a 6 out of 10. But once you start getting down to 6 and 7, those are basically uh, To be score. fair, to be fair, they did give it a 6 out of 10. Okay, my bad. But okay, but I'm but like one point bet... higher than Forspoken. Forspoken is almost unplayable, right? And I'm willing to bet they've got a lot of concessions in there to uh, be like, well, it sucks, but where on the other hand, with Starfield, they're like, it's good, but almost like you see that on a lot of the uh, discourse around it, where the games journalist discourse. Most of the discourse elsewhere are people who didn't play the game talking about how shit the game is. Yeah, it's that weird dichotomy. It's like Forspoken. It's like, okay, we need to like this game. It's got representation. It's got um, representation. Well, <laughs> so it's like, and then, it's, cool, what, what, it's bad, but here's a bunch of which reasons Which is funny why with, Dar with Starfield, people are like losing their mind over the minuscule amount of rep. It's almost like, it's like a real life like an america real life not a literally anywhere else in the world oh but my God. like I an america I saw... real life uh like a like snapshot like there are some gay characters in there there are some bisexual characters in there you pick can pick your pronoun you want to know why you pick your pronoun because if you want to look like a dude and be called she you can do that that's it that's the whole reason oh my <laughs> god i saw um an article i don't remember if it was from the gamer our rivals <laughs> or uh somewhere else i but, mean we um, are about as well renowned as the gamers in Paris. <laughs> I, yeah but like i swear it was one of those blogs right uh somebody made an article about um 
they did they were uncomfortable because the pirate faction was almost half women and half men and so they were like gamers who are men are playing starfield so they can kill women and it makes me uncomfortable it's icky it's like dude what the fuck okay do you not want equality holy shit so yeah you know what they i think they have the most prominent lesbian couple in the pirates (laughs) really yeah like like banned in saudi arabia overt or like did they play it safe like see it well we don't see physical like any physical romance game at all however there's a lot of like conversation about it like uh it's like you ask one of them so so you and the other girl and her response is a very possessive she's mine and that's all you need to know about it (laughs) like but they have several like hey you scurry along i'm gonna spend some time with my girlfriend kind of like uh go do your quest we're gonna hang out together kind of stuff it's just and what what an asinine take though that it's like oh i don't like how there's this villainous faction that is half women and it's like whatever so i'm a man in space killing women i killed men too (laughs) one of my favorite one of my favorite tweet replies to that which i didn't see it live i saw a picture of it right you know that's just how the internet fucking works these days but one of the replies to that was just play a woman you coward (laughs) oh here dylan I'm going to show you uh, a screenshot, um, and you can tell me you can spot all the women in there. I all right, don't let's know see myself. it. Let's see it. There you go. All right, I am loading the image. Um, I see, I see a person with a red space suit, kind of like falling um, on the oh, left. Oh no, they're they're fr- no, they're in the free f- they're in free fall because oh right, gravity, no gravity free. On that yeah, yeah. So I see a person like falling on the left in red, and I see two people also in red on the other side of a door uh, further into the picture in the center right and they have helmets on and I can't see their faces. They could be anything. Are they yeah. all women? Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> They're dead. Is what they are. <laughs> yeah. Here, you, you know, we can see a different uh, different uh, one. I wanted to... I've got two of these screenshots. Alright, let me see. Can you see... You Let me describe this. All right, so you sent me a picture. It looks like we're staring at a cockpit. I can see two like leathery chairs on the bottom left and right corner of this picture, and I see two floating, presumably dead bodies on the right hand side, in that same red spacesuit. And uh, no, I can't tell if it's a man or a woman. Oh, what about further in? Can you tell if those are men or women in the other room beyond? There's there's clothes? people in the other room beyond. I can't oh, see that far. This is like a <laughs> this is like a six megabyte photo, Dylan. <laughs> The six megabyte photo. Uh, let me click on open in browser and zoom yeah, in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's a lot of corpses. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, those are just genderless corpses in spacesuits to me. Oh, okay. So, yeah. My my point being is that... The bloggers were wrong. Yeah, the sexist. bloggers were fucking wrong. They're just wrong. dead. Yeah. They're also... like I Who cares tell. if they're girls? Yeah. But I do want to point out that they do... like Basically, it's like a 50-50 split men and women across the board. It's a, this is the most equal game I have ever played. They're just not pandering. And I think that's fine. That's great. They, they're doing the right thing, is what, is what they're doing. Everybody, like, people being disingenuous about it. Oh, this feels and, like but, um, close to the, the Frank Herbert vision of uh, future space, right? So in, in Dune, right? 
So there's no white people in Dune. Don't let the movies fool you. All of them, right? But in the book, Dune, right? There's been like 10,000 years worth of generations of like inbreeding between um, the various races of our ancestral earth, which they've since left, right? And so everyone's just a shade of brown. Um, and everyone's hair is a shade between red and brown. Because red is just bright brown. I don't know if you knew that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so like that's Dune, right? And so Frank Herbert was definitely uh, of the mind that in the future, like with all the race mixing, like it won't matter. Everyone's just going to be some sort of shade of brown and have every culture of Earth and their ancestry, right? Um, and so this is this feels close to that in a way where it's like, yeah, um, who cares if they're men or women, right? Like you're in space and they're they're pirates and you're not, right? Like there was an American general uh, right around the time of first Desert Storm, because talking about uh, I wouldn't put a hundred and eighty pound man anywhere. I wouldn't put a hundred and eighty pound woman. I may have gotten the numbers wrong. It doesn't matter. The point is is if you can do the job, we'll use you. If you can't do the job, we'll find something else for you. That's functionally what it is. In like in space, especially when you're doing like gun toting and shit like that. If you can do the job, great. If you can't do the job, then I don't know, I'll stick you in a crew member slot or something like that. I won't have you gun toting with me or whatever. That's yeah. it's the same principle there. And in the, the discourse around the game is just like it feels so disingenuous when we look at it because like there was a video upper echelon uh, is really likes the game and he made a video about it and people, you know, obviously were like, how could you like this garbage? Why? You know, you're obviously just fanboys. like, you know, what? I'll make a round two video and I'll talk about the things I don't like because it's not a perfect game. Just because I'm celebrating it doesn't mean that I'm telling you it's perfect. Like. I'm choosing to talk about the good things like a good person would do. And then I was, like, I was about to say like one, one good thing he could put on his list is there's no doom marauders. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'll I never mean, forgive him for that. I mean, at least to at, at least other people's doom marauders made sense where it's like the reason they didn't like it is because it broke up the gameplay in an otherwise fast paced game. Let me explain that one for the first time listeners to the Melomancy podcast. So Upper Echelon Gamers is a YouTuber that we keep an eye on. Uh, he's he's like half canceled, right? Like he says things people don't want to hear, uh, but he's not perfect himself. And no, uh, he's not. And he doesn't try to be. Right. So uh, he started out reviewing looter shooters or something. I think he was uh, not Destiny. It was a different game. I forget what game he like cut his teeth on for YouTube. But um, this dude, right? He um, he reviewed Doom Eternal. And he uh, criticized it pretty heavily for one of the enemies in the game, the Marauder. And the the secret of the Marauder is you need to hit him with two sources of damage at the same time. So like shoot a grenade behind him while shooting him from the front. He could only dodge. He could only shield one source of damage. Right. And so you had to use space to like deal with them. You couldn't just shoot it until it dies. And that was too hard for some people. <laughs> and it was like. I. I. I, I, I insult his intelligence when I when I point this out, but it's like he was convinced that this enemy was bad design and he made a bunch of arguments for game design in Doom Eternal being flawed because his enemy was bad. And it's like, no, dude, you just didn't solve the puzzle. And I'll never forgive him for that. But he has a lot of good takes. 
Yeah. So no, we keep and, watching him. Yeah, right? and he's not like I say, he's not perfect, but um, he does. He's a lot of. He's good people across the board. I think mm-hmm. is what it comes down to. I wonder if the listeners will notice that I've had lots of rum. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe um, we'll see. So the, but yeah, so like, but there, but he brings up a uh, video uh, or talks about a video of a blogger, journalist, whatever, who spends like thirty minutes doing a full burn towards the planet because they want to see if you can crash into the planet. You can't. You fly through it because it's not a physical, well, semi-physical object in space. Because you know. That's just the way the game is built. However, they, you know, everybody throws shade at that, but they're completely throwing out the fact that she has to readjust the direction she's flying over and over again because the planet has been modeled as a solar system, an orbital body in a solar system. It's moving through space, as it were. All the planets, all the moons in the game oh you know what this this story actually has a more sinister twist so that you're talking about elena pierce former blogger for ign now a some role probably not a programmer maybe a tpm or something uh for sony santa monica and she has a following from her time as a blogger right for ign or whoever the fuck maybe it was kotaku i'm not sure but she was she was a blogger before right and yeah. um, she has a bit of a following, and there were people. Um, well, I mean, people is a bit of a stretch. There were individuals uh, who people. were requesting that Sony Santa Monica fire Elena Pierce for talking about Starfield on social media because they're like, "You work for Sony. This hurts us. You need to stop." And it's like, "Yo, Sony fanboys, fucking what?" You are living up to the stereotype right now. <laughs> Fucking stop. <laughs> yeah. It's embarrassing. Well, I mean, embarrassing and, to be a Sony fan. Yeah, a lot of people got a, got a hole into the whole, like, uh, it, got a she was, she was the one that did that, that did the, yeah. the, the slow burn to a planet and discovered it. Yeah, and you know what? That's fine, because, like, people are focusing on the wrong part of that, which is, like, why would you want to do that? Like, who wants it, to spend it took half eight an hours? Hour? Yeah. yeah. Who wants to spend that long doing this? I said thirty minutes because, but I actually didn't watch the video. I didn't need to. I got the meat and potatoes of it right there, right from somebody else. And yeah, it actually was like eight hours or some bullshit like that. It's like holy shit. You have shit. to constantly, like, not constantly necessarily, but like, yeah, no, I because I found this out without thinking about it because I I went and like picked up taco bell or something right and i le- left my ship burning just to see what would happen and when i got back my ship was like way behind the planet i'm like oh shit because the planet moves <laughs> and i thought that was the coolest thing that they did i don't need to like because that's something they didn't need to do i don't think outside of like an actual you know space simulation like um i forget the names of those games the well calling them games is a stretch Space Sim? Is it literally called Space Sim? I don't know. The genre that Elite Dangerous is in. No, no, no. I mean, like, actual, like, plan, like, uh, we're gonna drop oh, a black hole. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, uh, actual that's not, simulator. Yeah, that's not a video game. Um, I mean, they technically are because they think they come, they sell them on Steam, but it's not a video game. And, yeah. That's, uh, but outside of those. Like you, I don't think you found find games where like planets move 
or unless it's like a solar system, like a single solar system. Um, I'm I'm with you there, hundred percent. Like that is not a thing. And like some of the other things that I can praise about the game, their lighting is bar none. Like as the planets move, um, as your ship moves, like if I spin the ship, the shadows will realistically change, or like across the ship and stuff. Like I've I've been. Uh, just kind of like flying around and I've noticed that uh, like moons will cast shadows if they're between the star and the planet on the planet like I can see the moon's shadow from space on the planet like I, th- I think are- I might I, I think I might go see it for myself someday like it's on my short list of uh, games to buy uh, but Steam Deck uh, support isn't necessarily all there for Starfield. And this is something that I have to say for the drawbacks of Starfield, because there are some. People talk about the loading screens. uh, People blow that out of proportions. There are a lot of loading screens. Just don't hide them the way that everybody else does. Like, there are no elevator rides. There's no uh, squeezing through crevices. Like, because those are all, like, despite what people might think, those are all loading screens. Like God of like God of War Ragnarok. How many like how often did you have to squeeze through? Dude, a tight so gap? many. It was so immersion breaking. It was like ah, oh, yeah. loading screen. All right. And those are all <laughs> like. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of loading screens, but the reason that there aren't visuals for the loading screens, um, one they want to avoid the pop because that happens if you do a moving loading screen, uh, pretty much exclusively. Like there are a few exceptions, like the but like even the Mass Effect elevators typically had a pop when you finally made it towards the bottom. Um, or you know the crevices they don't usually do that. They Sony's pretty much got it figured out, but this game is intended to be playable. I use that loosely because uh, with the uh, Series S, they, Bethesda had to make a game that the Series S could run. So that means a lot more loading screens than they probably wanted. And it's like, I still have hope that it'll play on my Steam Deck, but what I'm probably going to do when I get it is install it on my, my Linux PC and then stream it over Wi-Fi to my Steam Deck, which is an that's option. Pro- that's probably a much better choice. I think the loading screens are blissfully short Yeah, myself. Also, I do like the fact that on the longer ones, there's an in-game photo mode, which is where the screenshots came from. Because I started taking screenshots with the in-game photo mode instead of just pressing my F12 key. Because I found out that the game uses the pictures you take as the longer loading screen backgrounds. That's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, they don't mention it anywhere. Just like a surprise. I thought it was really good. Speaking of loading screens, going back to Armor Core 6 for a moment. Did you know that uh, AC Nightfall, you know the other raven right his ac has like this cool visor that pops down yeah but like if you get you get his head after you beat that mission and the visor does not pop down however thanks to yeah, photo but- mode we know that if you turn on uh the the aim mode where the camera follows the enemy so you can do side mm-hmm. side hopping if you enable that you don't have to lock on anything if you enable that you click the the right stick like a button your visor comes down 
you just, you just can't tell from the camera angle. But if you go into photo mode and turn it around, you'd be like, oh, hey, visor. Oh, down. I knew the visor came down because uh, I uh, I bought all of my single targets uh, with that. I knew it came mm -hmm. down because when the mission's over, it automatically comes back up when your weapons go uh, to their standby positions. Yeah, I never noticed that. <laughs> oh, no, I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool as shit because that visor is cool as shit. I fucking love I AC Nightfall. That is such a great looking mech. It really is. Uh, and, you know, the best part about it is, like, you have Nightfall for the most part, like, the frame of Nightfall, except for the head. Like you have like because the only difference is right between loader four and nightfall is the head, maybe some internals and uh, the weapons. And that's I so fucking cool. I love that. And like also AC nightfall reminds me of nine ball, which also nightfall rhymes with nine ball, which is weird. But like think about nine ball on purpose. <laughs> so nine ball has um, a pulse rifle or a pulse pistol for his uh, right-hand weapon, which is not quite what Nightfall had. However, he has the moonlight in his left hand, he has a missile launcher on his shoulder, and he's got a grenade launcher, the signature weapon. Which is basically the Songbird. Yeah, Nightfall, I would argue, is the low-tech version. Because he's got a pile bunker, not, not moonlight. He's got uh, the heavier assault rifle. Mm -hmm. And uh, he does have the songbird, and uh, it's close he enough has for me. Launcher. Also, yeah. a, a lot of the arena, like one one cool thing about the arena in all the armored core games, right, is that uh, the top ranking raven is usually um, some sort of allegory to Nine Ball, right? Like in the original game, it was Nine Ball, but in like Project Phantasma, it's this dude named Necron who has the Nine Ball build, but he's fucking black and red instead of red and black, right. whatever, right? Uh, I haven't played Master of Arena yet. Uh, in Armor Core 2, it's this dude named Ares, uh, who is specifically described as being the Nine Breaker, right? It's even in his emblem. The Nine Ball is cracking. It's awesome. Uh, but he also looks like Nine Ball. He's got all the same shit, right? And it's like that trend continues through all the old Chen games. And it's like the top arena opponent is like a medium bipedal Nine Ball ripoff, <laughs> right? Freud is no exception. <laughs> oh, Freud. Freud is great. Uh, Freud, uh, you know what I like the most about Freud is, for the most part, like other than a couple of uh, proprietary things, he's just like a default mech. Mm -hmm. he's, he's just that so, good of a pilot. He's just so basic, and he's just like, no, nah, I'm gonna kick your ass. Like you gave like, it's like the uh, the the Daredevil uh, fight scene with um, what's his name, the guy that uh, Bullseye. And he's just like throwing office supplies at Daredevil. That was such a great scene. That show right, is underrated. It, well, it, I mean, season three is underrated. A lot of people didn't tune in for season three when uh, well, season one because two. they already had uh, such a great se was season two, season zero of Punisher. Yeah, so yeah, there was so season yeah. one. Season one stands on its own as like really good fucking television, and then season two is like, hey, the Punisher is here, and also um, we're gonna do a team up show called The Defenders or whatever the fuck it was called. Um, well, yeah, we had the salvage Iron Fist. Yeah. And then season three is like after that. But it's like people got burned after that. And so they, they not everyone did. Not everybody tuned in. Right. However, season three Daredevil is fucking goaded. I love it. It's so good. Well, I mean, oh, it gonna... took them long enough to bring in Bullseye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they did him justice. It was so good. I, 
I appreciated Bullseye a lot more in that one than like in the movie. Like the movie Bullseye, where he like uh, get or like that bar fight where he just whips out like a shit ton of sewing needles. Was it? <laughs> uh, we don't talk about the Daredevil movie. <laughs> but anyways, I'm I'm getting us off track. But yeah, like, so Starfield, so tell to- me tell me your thoughts. So I have I do have some detractions on it. Like there are things to criticize. Like the nature of the massive game means that there's going to be shortfalls. Probably things that got left on the cutting room floor that would have been done there just wasn't i want to say there wasn't time but when you work on a project like they like you can have like six years sounds like a long time because it is you like you've worked on large projects before there are tons of things that would be completed and ready to go and then some manager or exec from a department not even related to yours was going to come down and be like we got to cut this he might give you an explanation. They might not. You just know that your thing got cut. I mean, six years is a long time. Maybe some key personnel died or left. Like, you know, like um, that happens. That 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 happened to Hogwarts Legacy, actually. Why the uh, like uh, why the guy that got uh, or who quit because well reasons um he he talked about why he quit he quit because of family medical yes. complications but just it just came at a legitimate. good time yeah it yeah, came at a good it, time because he was under fire for honestly not for his fault but the point is as he mentioned the bloggers that, hated him because he yeah. sided with the gamers during gamergate and right. it's like ah we can we have something to cancel hogwarts legacy for besides we already hated it and it's not right. out yet. The the vitriol yeah. crusade against JK that must destroy all things that mm-hmm. you know her name has touched. His resignation was just fuel for the fire. Right. And but he mentioned that uh why he ended up in that position is why some things got left on the cutting room floor, why there were less MPC interactions than they wanted, specifically, is because that team lost a key member died in an accident, and that um and because of that, they shuffled things around to make up for that because you can't just hire like the you know key team members when it comes to you know unique skill sets don't just fall off trees. Uh, they're not a dime a dozen or any that. So when they die or whatever the case may be, can't fill that gap, then it sucks to suck. And I guarantee things like, like in a six-year project, I guarantee things like that happened with Starfield. I mean, things got left on the cutting room floor. It, I can tell. Um, I think that their character animations uh, across the board are a lot are barely improved from Fallout, and it shows. Um, but whatever, like can live. These are things that are not deal breaks for me. Um, because I knew that I was buying a Bethesda RPG. I don't know why people think that they weren't. Um, I would like space travel to be a little bit more enjoyable. It, the problem is, is you have gravity drives, so functionally, yeah, in slip space, what space? It's it's closest to SDF holding than anything else. Nice, uh, like. 
that's functionally what it is. Um, the gravity drives functionally fold space and teleport you from point A to point B. When you have things like that, flying between planets is not going to, like, there would be no reason for technology to exist for, like, anything other than engines that can get you out of orbit and back into orbit. Or, like, sorry, off planet and back onto planet. There's no reason for any other engines to exist. You don't need engines that make you go fast. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it's unfortunate, but that's the way things would be. I think, gameplay-wise, they would have benefited from, like, gates. Call them what you, what you will, stargates. So, effect relays, whatever. I think the game would benefit from those because that forces traffic in and then you can have a reason to have like drives that make you that zip but are too fat you know unwieldy to like fly at sublight you know at sublight speeds but you know like in most space sim games it tends to be like a um slow burn a travel drive of sorts that goes really fast not so not like speed of light fast but just like you could traverse a planet in you know, like the fly around the planet in a few seconds, kind of uh, fast. And then there, and then there's whatever they're faster than it is. Um, and the, but I think it's easy for me to you know stand at the finished product and say I think they would have benefited from that because they would have had to rewrite so much of the story. And Mass Effect already had the Mass Effect relays being pivotal to the story. So, like, if they had made a gate system with them being pivotal to the story, they would have just been making Mass Effect without Reapers. Nobody wants that. <laughs> well, and one thing I do have to give them, though, with the story is... Well, actually, the thing that I have to put in the, the big W column Nobody guessed the story. All the online predictions were fucking wrong. I enjoyed it immensely. Um, it took a while for it. It does take a while for it to take off because um, I think they needed a better like reason to get you involved with Constellation. I'm not spelling anything. The first like the first tutorial mission basically is. Like you open up the game, you're uh, joining. A, you're you're a miner on a planet and mining stuff. You found a you found a thing. Your uh, crew had been hired to dig up the thing. Dig up the thing. You touch the thing. You get visions and you black out. And that's when you do the character creation. When they wake you up, they're like, "Hey, look at these employee records. That this look like you." Well, the editing that's nice yeah <laughs> and um then um uh, after that um the buyer who wanted the artifact shows up and he asks you a few questions about it because he too has touched one of these and so he knows what you saw and he asks you about it and um then pirates show up because we we live in the current world if there's going to be action in the game, it, it needs to happen within the first, like, 15 minutes, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the pirates show up, you beat the pirates, and the guy who showed up, he's like, hey, you need to take this 
back to uh, Constellation, and if you ask him why, why won't you go, or, you know, we can't go together because he needs, like, you're, if you're going, he has to stay, is the trade that he makes with your foreman. Uh, he'll be a miner for until you, you know, get back, basically. Um, whatever. It It's fairly weak. Here are the keys to my ship story. However, it is what it is. And after a couple more shenanigans with pirates where you kind of learn the flight controls, I think the flight controls are a little weak because I play on PC. However, I guarantee you those flight controls are functional on a controller, which is important. <laughs> So, like, that's, that's the unfortunate reality of the flight controls in the game, is your weapons have a gimbal, and flight. So, but because weapons have a gimbal, that means you have to be a little fucky with the flight controls. But once you get used to it, it's not a big deal at all. Um, I don't have any problems with the flight controls now. I had problems the first couple times I flew, but after I got used to it, it slowed my roll a bit. Because um, I was used to more like space sim flighting ga games stuff, um, and it doesn't fly like that. Comparatively, you're flying a brick compared to that those sorts of games. But whatever. It's like my my mind immediately goes to the Elite Dangerous community and how they uh, have a really complicated fl uh, docking scenario where. Uh, New players will often complain that docking is too difficult. I mean, it, the docking scenario in Elite Dangerous is uh, complex. That's why when I played it, one of my modules on my ship was auto-docking. It even comes with elevator music. That's that way, hilarious. While, yeah, that way <laughs> while it's docking, it'll uh, you know play you some music. It's great. Um, I'm sure that any listeners that play Elite Dangerous religiously just had a minor heart attack. I don't care. It was fun. I played the game how I wanted to play it. Nothing wrong with that. Um, so, yeah, and then you show up to Constellation. Um, and, after, and then you've got to find some artifacts. And yeah, some of it is glorified fetch quests. That's what a lot of games are. I don't know why people are suddenly losing their shit over it with Starfield. Like, like when you played Final Fantasy, there, I bet there were, like, the most recent one, I bet there were a lot of quests that when you break them down to their base parts were go to a place and get the MacGuffin. Yeah, 100%. And, like, but it's the framing that matters a lot. Like, it's some, yeah, some of like, these, they introduce characters. Another, you go, like, you, you have to, you get in a corporate, like, a fight. However you choose to do the fight is that with, like, a corporate entity, because... That's just the way it broke down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like in Final Fantasy 16, I was jumping at the opportunity to do every single side quest, no matter how mundane of a fetch quest it ends up being, or go here and kill the lads, whatever it is, right? Um, I was jumping for joy, like at every time I, I got one to do, just because the story elements revealed during the quest was so good. Yeah. And yeah, I actually, yeah, no, I... So, by and large, and in fairness, in New Game Plus, those part those things will, I would argue, are probably going to be weaker because you, again, it's like going to a, a thriller or mystery already knowing the, the way it goes. But New Game Plus, 
has some differences. It's not all shortcuts. Um, I'm not really. Big, yeah, it has like. I can't. I can't talk. I can't talk more about it. It's. It's. I. I can't without like risking like. No, I appreciate it. I do actually want to play this game. So. <laughs> um, there are no game breaking bugs. Anybody who says there are game breaking bugs, they're annoying. But there are annoying bugs. Uh, let, let me ask you a question. So, uh, one thing I heard from bloggers yeah. on Twitter uh, was that they felt having beaten the game that the definitive experience would be to prioritize the main story and beat it kind of early and enjoy what happens afterwards. Is that something you would agree with or disagree with? Yes. However, it, I would also say that doing at least a couple of the faction quests, because there are like eight different factions. It wouldn't be a Bethesda game if there weren't at least a yeah. few factions, right? That there are like eight different factions, um, the pirates and the uh, the super police that are hunting the pirates. Um, those are, I think, the only ones that are uh, an A or B faction option. Uh, but either way, the um, yeah, the it's a yeah. I think it would be because the rewards you get for New Game Plus are definitely leveled for, like, having beaten the game at, like, level 20. It's actually kind of disappointing. Not... Hmm. It's not disappointing. It's irritating, because I, I step into New Game Plus with cool gear that I immediately, you know, shoved in a locker. Yeah! <laughs> um, which is fine. Oh, are you... Although... One thing that happens in New Game Plus, so you find out which enemies are um, leveled to you and which enemies are not. So <laughs> I definitely had some New Game Plus where I'm like using foul language to solve my problems because I'm out of bullets with these piddly guns that they gave me. Because <laughs> bullets at the very beginning, like early game, bullets are like, I must have every bullet because my guns shoot precious, precious bullets that you know that are money. And then later in the game, you're like, well, I'm glad bullets don't weigh anything because otherwise I'd be like, <laughs> it'd just be the end of it. This is also one of the best uh, moving while encumbered systems I've ever dealt with. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah essentially, you have two uh, sprint bars. You have your O2 bar, and then opposite of that, when your O2 bar runs out, your CO2 bar starts to fill up. And um, so, and when your CO2 bar fills up all the way, you start taking health damage. You can literally run yourself to death. Um, which I think is hilarious. Well, I, I don't, I don't, th I haven't tested. I don't think you can actually kill yourself. I think it just forces you to walk um, after you um, run out of health too at 1 HP. But, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm willing to try it at some point. I just always forget to try it. <laughs> um, anyways, the... Which also means that you could, like, if you're sprinting and you still want to keep sprinting even though you have no uh, stuff, you could just, like, slam med packs. <laughs> just keep sprinting through health loss. That's possible too. Anyways, uh, the way uh, that the way they do the encumbered system is you can move just fine. However, 
it takes your stamina or your O2 bar and then your CO2 bar and then health, right? The which and it's not bad loss at first, but once you start like seriously weighing yourself down, it'll go to like I jumped and I broke my legs kind of level of like stamina loss. <laughs> oh my. Uh gravity. Well, Bethesda's physics in this game are top notch as well. Again, this is one of those things where you're just like, why aren't people talking about this when it comes? Well, I know why they are because I have to downplay or ignore all the good things so we can talk about how shit the bad things yeah. are. Yeah, which makes you wonder, like, did they not pay the fee for the bloggers to say good things? Oh, no, like, they didn't. Bethesda did not. Um, absolutely. I know they did not. Um, that's why only, like, European journalists and stuff are giving them. I don't think 10's out of 10. I don't. I don't think the game is 10 out of 10 because there's too much like there are too many spots where Bethesda somebody in Bethesda clearly said the modders will solve this. Um, that said, again, no game breaking bugs. I think anybody who has a game breaking bug is like in such a minority. Um, I had a few bugs. I had a few, I had like a side quest that I couldn't finish, but it was like an inconsequential side quest, not a, um, not a real side quest. It wasn't a faction quest or anything like that. Um, my largest complaint is actually with Outpost system. They had a far superior settlement system in Fallout 4. I, I assume what happened with that is somebody tried to improve it, it was improved. And then some C-suite or, you know, upper management came oh. in and took an axe to it, and they just had to make it work after the axe had been taken to it. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Um, and, uh, but, honestly, you can ignore the outposts, too, um, if you want to. There, I don't think there's any requirement to do it. it honestly, I think what happened, I think... Well, a lot of what happened in the game is feature creep, because that's what happens when you have a six-year project, and then somebody took a hatchet to it, and they had to make things work. Um, yeah, like, I remember Final Fantasy XV, like, feature creep, 100%, like, not good. And that game was in development for even longer. And then, the, and then to make it functional, somebody took a hatchet to it, right? Mm -hmm. And they made it work. And it ended up being, I think, and a lot of the things that people are complaining about, like the DLSS uh, support and all that, Bethesda probably didn't think it was going to be, or Bethesda probably knew it was going to be an issue. Microsoft probably thought it wasn't going to be an issue. <laughs> Bethesda is a video game company. They absolutely knew that DLSS is the standard. There's no way they didn't. Microsoft is the one that I assume made that decision. To, I forget what system they use, but they, they use a they use a, a built-in one that's much worse, but it's fine. I don't like my machine doesn't scream. My wallpaper engine doesn't stop, and I played the game on Ultra. So I have high hopes that on Linux, I think it'll work on my desktop, and then I can just stream it to my Steam Deck. That's the plan. Well, and if you need to, Dylan, people have come up with uh, like a good INIs for um, good-looking but low cost, you know, cost performance. Uh, runs or builds for running the game. So, yeah, by all means, if you have to, it's not. It's not like the game's 
the the game looks fine. I think it looks good. I don't think it looks like it's not this gener. It's like Armored Core Six again. Like Armored Core Six is clearly built to run on a last generation console. Right. It looks fine though. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and I think this game looks fine too. It fits its own art style. And if people need it to look so much better, people have already gotten started on upscaling textures. Like legitimately. There's an there's a mod that's doing AI upscale for and they've got like a third of uh the settlements sorted, like the cities and stuff already. Like the game's been out functionally for a week, two weeks if you include the free play time. And they don't even have the modding tools made for the game yet. Or release. So if I were thinking ahead, gonna make a clip from the podcast audio of your Starfield oh, take, how would you condense it down? I think it's a very good game. Flawed, like any other game. But um, ultimately, it's a lot better than what uh, the bloggers and games media tell you it is across the board. I think that the vast majority of problems are people being disingenuous. Yeah, 100%. Uh, is there anything else in your notes that you want to cover? Um, when it comes to that, like we talked, I talked about the loading screens because that comes up a lot. But the thing is, is like you got to look at the limitations. The limitations again it has to run on a Series X, S, Series S, and this is what it is. Um, and again, there are loading screens in every game. Like the only one that I don't think there's a loading screen for is Tears of the Kingdom, and it pays in other ways. Um, you know, we talked about the movement in the shadows. Um, like I say, it has plenty of criticisms. To you can see where you know their sessions, and but on the other hand, I can already see where Bethesda's looking at fixing some of those things that they were clearly forced to deploy with, whether or not they cared. The DLSS, they're going to put native DLSS in the game post-release. Which is not something you see very often. Um, and also, there was something else that people uh, brought up that I forgot. Um, they talk about the hub main... Well, I don't want to call it the main hub city. One of the capital cities of the, uh, the UC, the United Colonies. You can tell by a name like them what the city's going to look like. It's going to be very clean. Very, you know, like straight lines and stuff like that. Like, very white city, if you will. Um, and it and people were whining about how empty it is like did you even look at the city of course the streets are going to look like that well, i mean the crowds are i've i've seen less busy airport terminals. <laughs> uh, um you can also set your crowd settings and uh the game's got some uh the game has some uh current generation algorithm or ai algorithm kind of thing going on in the background too so if uh, your machine's running hot, it'll cut back the crowds, or it'll uh, up or downscale textures, I guess. Like uh, do like a seventy-five percent texture reduction, things like that, to make the game run smooth. It'll do things like that for you on its own. So, like, but you can change your crowd density. Like my cities are very uh, filled with people. 
So you're saying people who want to be disingenuous on the internet could just like make that slider go into the negative and be like, look, empty cities, guys. Zero I mean, out of ten. Or they could, or they could take a gunshot. Uh, I mean, the crowd doesn't react. I kind of wish the crowd would react to me shooting in the air, but as soon as somebody gets hit by a bullet, they react. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, is what it is. You, you can't have perfect. Uh, you can't have it be perfect. Um, and, like, I've heard people, you know, whine the, the, you know, the New Atlantis, the main city, or that hub city, capital, whatever you want to call it, is, um, you know, doesn't hold the candle to Night City. It's like, Night City is the whole game, one. And two, you can't go inside of every building in Night City either. Like, and I don't know, if, you know, I don't know if you ever did this, Dylan, but, like, I did a lot of rooftop running in Night City. A lot of those rooftops were unfinished. Yeah, it's almost like the game didn't expect you to have double jump at any point. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, like... Again, there are a lot, and I, I I stand by that. A lot of people who are being detractors are being disingenuous, and they keep. And one of the fallbacks is anybody that has anything nice to say about the game is just a Bethesda fanboy. I like Bethesda games, but I has uh, they're not above reproach, and like I don't play Fallout seventy six. Because they wanted me to keep paying for it, even after they made it a good game. Like, yeah. It, like, Fallout 76, by my metrics, even in its post-release best of the best state it was going to be in, is still a bad game, because bad monetization. <laughs> like, well, uh, like I, I stand by that stance. Uh, like, I bought a complete game I was given a complete game, and it was what was promised to me, not what people told me that they made up, you know, not the promises people made up and then said Bethesda lied afterwards. So. And that's all you can really hope for, right? Like, so, if you don't mind, I'd like to yeah. move on from Starfield. We gotta talk about the other thing. One more thing dear listener it's gonna be a long episode i understand but yeah there's one more piece of breaking news that we must cover before we can really call it done right so <clears throat> i'm doing this for your benefit dear listener for all you dear listeners in 2030 over in the future who were listening to us like some kind of fucking time capsule by the way in 2030 value for value is still gonna work so like make sure you have a modern podcasting app when you listen and stream some sats, maybe send us a boostagram. Doesn't matter if you're listening to a ten year old episode. It, we appreciate you. And there there are people that and today we'll read it that, on a yeah. You know, speaking we'll of, I should probably check episode. to make sure that nobody sent us a boost. Uh, as I did not look yeah, yeah. ahead of time, real quick. Uh, we try to. No, we haven't had a boost in a long, long time, and that's okay. Cause like even though we haven't had a boost in a long, long time, the amount of Satoshis we've earned from people streaming the show is like more than amateur podcasters make on Spotify. So it's like, keep it coming. Like, yeah, sucks to suck, Spotify. Society will catch up to the times, but we're ahead of the curve. Anyways, this is a value for value production. If you don't know what that means, um, look it up. <laughs> but yeah, appreciate you all. So. 
dear listeners today, dear listeners in 2030, today is September 14th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Now, let me tell you. Uh, so video games, right? So there's, when you make a video game, oftentimes you don't make the engine from scratch, like the physics, the this and the that, the way things render, the way textures get slapped on surfaces, right? That's what the engine's for. Uh, a lot of people will make either their own engine or they'll use one of the popular ones. So you may hear things like Unreal Engine 5, Unity, Godot, or whatever the fuck else, GZ Doom, right? Hey, hey what was that you one? <laughs> Unity. So our story today is about the Unity game engine. So um, I didn't know this until the controversy took place, but Unity has a, mar has a, a dominant market share. I thought Unreal had the dominant market share. I was wrong. It was Unity. So Unity is currently the most popular video game engine. Now they have some really stiff competition in the form of Unreal and Godot and others, but Unity is the best. When you start your video game, when you see the Unity and like a cube logo show up on screen, that means the game was made in Unity, the game engine, right? So that's besides the point. Uh, but what happened uh, most recently in the news uh, was a series of really catastrophic events that have deep implications that we're going to have to follow up on in, a, in the next episode, right? But this is a breaking story that just took place like yesterday or the day before, right? Uh, but this week sometime, Unity released a new pricing model. So uh, I know, Rick, you, you looked into it, and it's so much worse than you probably heard. But tell me, what did you hear? Before I continue, honestly, whenever I looked it up, it reminded me of the Reddit uh, thing. I I lost the number once it started uh, hitting one million, but it definitely just kept going. Yeah. So let me let me compare and contrast for a minute. So with Reddit, right? They they closed like Twitter. They closed API access and charged an absorbent fee. Uh, which basically killed all third-party apps. So everyone has to either use the Reddit app or use the web browser. And those experiences are god-awful and ad-ridden. So Reddit is dead to me. I mean, it's been dead to me for a long time, but now I don't have a means to browse it. Uh, and neither do you. So <laughs> um, let me tell you where it's different. Right? So Unity is a game engine. And what they've proposed uh, isn't a new cost for the user. Um, it's not something that game developers can pass off to the user like Reddit uh, app developers might have been able to do. Basically, um, Unity has come up with a new pricing model where monthly they will collect from their users. So I have the numbers, right? So basically, two conditions. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe it's one condition or the other, or it's both. It's probably both. But both conditions, let's just assume, because that's the more generous in their favor, and it's bad. Uh, but let's just assume both conditions need to be met for these pricings to apply. Because their their damage control has been, this doesn't affect 90% of our customers. But, like, nobody's buying it. I've heard that before when they do that. You're not changing your pricing model because it's not going to affect at least the big fish. Whales right. So... There are two conditions that must be met in order for the, the thing I'm about to talk about to kick in. Either your game, made in Unity, has made $200,000 US dollars in revenue um, in the last 12 months, or 
or um you have made um wait hold on haha <laughs> i think i have it wrong one second oh, i thought i did this fucking research what the fuck hold on there was another all one. the other research and this got, it was a number of, of installs let me go fucking find it um yeah Unity. i read something about that too yeah that was where my mind started to glaze over a little bit oh i found it i found it okay so the criteria um, is either you made $200,000 in your last 12 months um, or you have 200,000 installs. Now, there, there are three tiers to this, right? So there, Unity has these plans that they sell to their users. There's Unity Personal and Unity Plus. That's like individual people, college students, right? Unity Pro, which I don't know how much Unity Pro costs. And then Unity Enterprise, that sounds expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if right. you need to, yeah, if you have to ask, you can't afford it, right? Right. So let me tell you the thresholds for all three. So Unity Plus and Personal is what I just said. Unity Pro is $1 million revenue in the last 12 months and 1 million installs life to date, right? And then those same numbers are used for Unity Enterprise. So it's like, did your game succeed or not, basically, <laughs> right? Um, now here's the toxic part, right? So the actual price standard monthly rate as they call it. So the first 100 K installs of your game, you owe unity, the company 1.25 cents, right? Um, per install actually, wait, no, I'm reading it wrong. <laughs> so for the first 100,000 right? You owe 20 cents per install on the unity personal plan, right? The, the first tier, right? Um, hold on. <laughs> I'm going to do this over one more time. Too much rum. <laughs> I'll edit all that out. Don't worry. <clears throat> so for the first tier, unity personal and unity plus every single level of how many installs you have, it's 20 cents per install. That's the most expensive price on the table, right? That's hella toxic. <laughs> by the way um so for unity pro that's the second of the third tiers uh your first 100,000 downloads 15 cents per install between 100,000 and 500,000 is 0 0.075 cents uh per install from 500,000 to a million 0 0.03 cents oh well i mean i say cents i mean 0 0.03 dollars whatever right <clears throat> it's pretty small yeah and then million and beyond, uh, 0 0.02, um, which is pretty low. And then the Unity Enterprise plan is slightly more generous at every tier. Uh, 0.125 for the first, 0 0.06 for the second, 0 0.02 for the third, and 0 0.01 for the final. Right? And so think about that number for a second. Think of a free-to-play game, right? Or a cheap game, an indie game, right? That has microtransactions. Think Genshin Impact, right? Free game. Everybody's downloaded on their phone and their PC, probably both, right? By the way, if you do that, you count as two installs, which is fucking awful, right? That's so, toxic. Yeah. Imagine Genshin Impact. Every person counts as two because they got on their fucking phone and their computer, like I do, or so, I did. Hang on. Let's, uh, <laughs> so, what's the, um, what, we'll say that they got the Enterprise. So, I'll, what's the, that's a third of a penny? Is 
So uh, at the enterprise level, uh, at the most generous install base of over a million, which I know there's more than a million Genshin players, it's yeah, yeah. 0.01, so a single penny. Oh, 0.01 dollars? So one penny per install. One penny per install. So how okay. many players play Genshin Impact? So, yeah, let, let's see. I'm going to guess about 10 million, but, you know, whatever. We could say about 10 million. So. Mm-hmm. Of 10 million uh so how many pennies is that how many dollars is that in pennies that is only a hundred thousand dollars but that's the install uh, so that's the key this is unity's way to make money continuously on their well, that's a monthly rate right yeah so a hundred thousand dollars a month actually for um the Genshin company, that's probably not very much money to them. However, them paying to continuously use Unity is. Assuming they're so, using Unity. But Right. So, yeah, Genshin can afford it because they're a cash cow, but imagine, like, your favorite indie dev that uses Unity. So, if you're playing they're something fucked. that... Yeah, well, I was going to say the 200,000, so I did the math for the 200,000. Um, that's 40,000. Uh, so that's that's not much less compared. Like once you start getting into the tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's not a whole lot less money. Right. And so one scenario that somebody pointed out online was um, imagine you have a freemium game, free to play, whatever, with microtransactions, right? And maybe it's a small game. Maybe it's not that successful. But imagine there's a couple whales, right? That bring your revenue over the threshold for your fucking monthly cost. Right. So thanks to a couple of whales, you're now on the hook for however many fucking people installs your game. Right. Which might be a lot. Oh, no, no, because... no. What we'll do instead, Dylan, is we'll just cut the whales off. That always goes well. <laughs> but then the game's not profitable anymore. The point is, is that the math is not in the game dev's favor. Right. So if you have a game with microtransactions that's either free or cheap, you're setting yourself up for failure because a couple of whales will tip you over the threshold and then let's say you have a million players but you have like like a uh, hundred whales right that push you over the two hundred thousand mark right you're on the hook for 20 cents per user right not per whale so you're gonna owe them more money than you made on the game you're gonna be in the negative monthly and if those whales they 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 whaled on some promotion that never repeated right you're going to owe monthly on a due to a phenomenon that happened to you once that's such a crazy like people are going to go under for this i mean yeah because you can't just decide to use a different engine like right. tomorrow like that's also it's more sinister than that right so the ceo and several of the executives that run Unity, the company, right, have sold all their stock before this announcement dropped. And their, their stock's That's also dropped. That's super illegal. That is insider trading. Um, and they did, they laid off a bunch of people. I am under the opinion that they are going scorched earth and they're going to go through with this. Like, they're not going to roll it back. And I think the very few at the top are just sacrificing the company because so many games use unity that are like forever games like fucking genshin impact right and it's oh. like they're just gonna collect monthly 
and and just eat it right and the even more sinister unity uh was on github right and part of their GitHub repository is they had the terms of service. And in the terms of service, which they, somebody thankfully forked and I can read it, right? In the terms of service, there was a clause that said, hey, if there are updates to the terms, um, you can use the version of the terms that was in effect when your game launched and not listen to the new version, right? Which would save them from this cost, but they deleted their GitHub repo. GitHub is a website where you host software, right? They use a version management uh, software called Git, G-I-T, Git, um, which gives you like version control and tells you like what all the different versions were and who contributes. It's it's a software development, software developers know what I'm talking about, right? But the point is, is that it has version control. You can see what it used to say, you can see what it says now, right? They took it off GitHub. And then on wow. their website, they changed it so that part that I just said is not fucking in there, right? So they and they didn't announce any changes to their terms of service. They just did that without telling anyone, right? Well, and we we only know that it's missing that piece because somebody forked Unity's GitHub project at some point because that's something you can do on GitHub, and so they have a copy of everything before they deleted it. And I, uh, <clears throat> in fact, I'll quote it. Why not? Yeah, in section eight of the terms of service for unity uh the version on github before they deleted it it says and i quote <clears throat> unity may update these unity software additional terms at any time for any reason without notice the updated terms and these updated terms will apply to the most recent current year version of the unity software provided that if the updated terms adversely impact your rights, you may elect to continue to use the current year versions of the Unity software. Example, the 2018 version, uh, version X, 2018 version Y, uh, and any long-term support or LTS versions that the current year for that current year release, according to the terms applied just prior to the updated terms, AKA the prior terms, the updated terms will then not apply to those of the current year versions unless, uh, and until you update to a subsequent year version of the Unity software, example 2019 version 4, 2020 version 1, if material modifications are made to these terms, Unity will endeavor to notify you of the modification. No, they fucking did it. If a modification is required for you to, to comply with applicable law, the release of the Unity software will be subject to the updated terms applicable to the release or versions. You understand that it is your responsibility to maintain complete records establishing your entitlement to the prior terms so that's what it used to say that whole fucking section is gone and on the version on their website well of course uh, why would they uh, keep the things that would be beneficial for literally anybody but them yeah because they want everyone to be applied to this they want fucking 10 year old games that people still play that bring in money to be fucking basically taxed yeah this is insane amounts of like bullshit and they were an industry leader. They are the, they don't have a monopoly on game engines, but they are the number one. They yeah. were. I mean, so they're not like, going to be for long. Yeah. Uh, Unreal 5 just popped uh, off. And like, have you seen some of the like uh, Superman and shit like that? Yeah. Unreal 5 looks um, fucking amazing, dude. And P the game devs on Twitter and wherever the fuck they went elsewhere off of Twitter, because, uh, you know, they all came back because nobody really leaves twitter <laughs> they grandstand Apparently and they come not. back yeah it doesn't matter how bad they they think of elon they always come back 
But uh, so game dev Twitter is just up in arms about this, and several game studios have released those really cringy public announcements where they posted a PNG on their fucking Twitter of like some message, right? Um, including people who we didn't think would speak up, saying, "Hey, we denounced this. We will never make a project in Unity again." And we are abandoning all things in progress that we're using Unity. And it's like, wow, that fucking sucks. <laughs> um, so expect all your favorite games to be delayed if they use Unity. Um, and expect these executives to double down. Because the, you, you don't just run a company, sell all your stocks, make this controversial change that'll make you money forever in perpetuity, and just roll it back. Like, I feel like these executives are going scorched earth. And they'll lay off whoever they need to lay off. They may never make a new version of Unity. Enough games are released that make money yearly or monthly that were made in Unity where uh, they could just never make a new game in Unity and these couple handfuls of execs will make money forever. Yeah. Yeah, no, they must have been um, doing the golden parachute bullshit. Exactly. So I'll be happy to tell you in the next episode if they roll that shit back, but I I don't think they're going to do it. No, I don't think so either. I think that this is the end of the world for Unity, and uh, they must have seen something, you know, with all their insider trading, that ahead <laughs> of time, besides this, that led them to do this. I don't know, man. It's just crazy. So, if you're a game developer and you're, you know, listening to this and you're not in 2030, you're here today with us now in 2023, you might be thinking, oh, what the fuck do I do now? Um, well, I would recommend Godot, not because it's good, but because it's free and open source. And that's important. Like, a company doesn't own Godot. This will never happen to Godot, right? Unreal has a much more beneficial pricing model, and Unreal is backed by Epic Games. Now, I don't like Epic Games. I don't like the Epic Games store. Um, However, all they have to do is not screw you over, and they can beat Unity finally. So it's like, they, they see the opportunity for what it is. They're not going to fuck this up. Unreal Engine is great. You could just use that. I'm not going to be mad at you. With uh, Unreal. Yeah. Everybody loves Superman. It's totally fine. Now, the Godot Engine is free and open source. It's arguably not as good as Unreal, but it's fine. It's just fine. Try it. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) in college, you can use, uh, what is it, the uh, RPG Maker? (laughs) You could use RPG Maker, or you could just use fucking nothing and just make it from scratch, like Notch. So he yeah, did. Yeah, he's a billionaire. Just be brilliant. <laughs> God, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. Like Actually, you don't, ha- you don't. Your engine doesn't have to be smart. Yeah, you don't have to be brilliant. So this is something that people get wrong when it comes to uh, this sort of thing all the time. You don't have to be brilliant. You have to be persistent. Yeah, and maybe good at math. <laughs> I mean, don't worry, AI will take care of that math thing for you. Yeah, seriously, just ask ChatGPT, hey, help me build my physics engine because I didn't want to use a game engine that was pre-made. And they'll walk you right through everything you need to know. So f- just fucking do that. Yeah, ChatGPT will be the best wingman ever. Anyway, I had a bunch of notes about some other shit to bring up. There were some events that happened, like there was a Nintendo Direct that I didn't watch. That didn't have anything interesting they did from the it. outside well, looking in. The F-099 uh, sounds pretty fucking cool. Uh, <laughs> but, it, but you don't want to have 99 people racing with you? 
No, I don't want to resubscribe to Nintendo Online. That's what I don't want to do. That's the problem. Actually, that's actually what killed my interest in them re-releasing the Game Boy uh, Zelda games. The uh, story, or not story, sorry. Uh, Seasons and Ages, they put those on there too. And I'm like, well, I want this, but I don't want to subscribe to the worst video game subscription service. Yeah, like they they really lean on the fact that people really simp over those first party Nintendo titles. But like, I have no nostalgia for first party Nintendo. They can pack sand. I don't care about Zelda, you know? Yeah, honestly, like I played Breath of the Wild, but like I don't have time for Tears of the Kingdom. And the only time, the only reason I played Breath of the Wild was because um, I had... I, I was dating at the time bought it and she asked me to play it for her and like it's like why you play half of your games because destiny wants to watch them yeah relatable yeah and but without her I'm like I don't care that much about these games mm-hmm. the I totally is, get it yeah no the and you know some people tell me about story or whatever the problem is is if I get the same level of enjoyment from your game by watching somebody on YouTube play it versus playing it myself, then I'm just going to watch the YouTube video. Like, God of War is a good example of that. I don't have any fun with the current generation God of War. But you know what? Mm -hmm. It's entertaining. I will watch somebody play it. But that fight with uh, Kratos and Thor where he freezes the lightning, that's dope as shit. Also, Thor just being not... Uh, somebody Kratos can just beat. But anyways, digress. But anyways, so, you know, there was that. There was also a Sony Nintendo Direct. It's weird to say that. Uh, the Sony State of Play, which is just a Nintendo Direct. Uh, there was a lot of indie titles on it. Well, since E3 has stopped. <laughs> yeah. Nintendo, like, is smart. Like, the Nintendo Direct model is really good. Like, just randomly live streaming e3 tier fucking like trailer drop you know and they'll have like, whenever they fucking the, want they'll have the game creators or you know the um they'll have so many people that have no business doing this sort of thing talking like right whereas e3 is like this big stressful thing and it's like nah come on to my pre-scripted live stream pre-scripted live stream where i can talk and have my uh have the game creator or developer or it, like the top of the food chain he'll come down from on high and talk about the game he will be more excited than he has any right to be but his translator is going to be mildly mm. <laughs> I know I give um, I, I know I give Nintendo a lot of shit but it's very very clear to me that their executives play video games it really yeah. fucking oh. shows well, right. Uh, what was the their Nintendo of America? That guy before uh, Reggie was it mm-hmm. the previous one? Yeah. yeah, yeah, dude, that guy. He played games. Mm-hmm. Like you could tell. And there's something. There's something magical about somebody being in the same hobbies as you. Yeah. Anyway, the the Sony. Nintendo Direct, the Sony State of Play, uh, took place, and uh, it was full of bullshit that I did not care about, with the exception of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I gotta admit, I wasn't that happy with Final Fantasy VII Remake. I felt like 
cheated almost that it's like okay it's not really a remake it's a sequel it's and like it's a, a fucking saga yeah and they didn't even leave midgar by the end and somehow it still it still took me fucking 50 hours to get there right it's like yeah i appreciate the addition of the denseness like i was expecting that but like i was expecting to get out of midgar before the end of the game uh however because it's a sequel and not really a remake it's like time channel shenanigans i get it however this the trailer this most recent trailer for final fantasy 7 rebirth gives me hope it gives me hope because i've played the original game and i saw this trailer and i i can recognize what the fuck i'm seeing on the screen like that's gold saucer that's mount coral that's fucking you know this or that i can see the characters on screen and re remembering what happened in the original game and seeing what's happening on screen i can tell they're going to cover a lot of fucking ground on this next game and they're going to have some unexpected surprises and it's going to be great because that's all i want you know i wanted them to cover more ground right now, they gotta all... tell me why tifu tifu is the real waifu and not Aerith. right instead of just implying uh and i feel like we're gonna get it and i i'm gonna play it i i'm gonna play it i mean i don't know no, in fairness though Cloud's got a lot more women throwing the, him, them at him, throwing themselves at him this time around than uh, last time. Yeah, and there could be even more. Who knows, right? Oh, like, I hope Because so. um, like we got to see a little bit of Yuffie in the PS5 remake of Armor, uh, not Armor Core, uh, wait, the <laughs> uh, Final Fantasy VII remake, right? But she doesn't meet the party. Um, no. She was a, was that a DLC? it was a little extra bit for playing the ps5 version i see okay okay or pc version free because you played for it or paid for it yeah on the right uh, in the right stop <laughs> free because you paid for it in the right shop there we are yeah. <sighs> but like i'm fine with that and you know what it's gonna be fine yeah and no absolutely i i have some hope uh we'll talk about it more next time uh we have hit the three hour mark Ooh, uh, and this one's a deep one I know if we had such a short episode last time, I think it's warranted. Yeah. So it may not be three hours long when I finish editing it, but it's three hours long right now. It is 1143 PM on September 14th in the year of our Lord, 2023. And I'm fucking done. I have to work oh, tomorrow. Hurts. Yeah. So armor core six fucking buy it. It's great. Um, is it game of the year? We'll see. Well, that's up to you. It's, it's up to you. Yeah. But like, we'll see. Uh, I definitely like it a fucking lot. Uh, anyways, uh, one more thing. The um, I accidentally let the forum uh, URL lapse. I had to renew it. It's renewed. It's fine. However, part of the renewal was the mailbox for the bot that sends you an email when you register an account. So uh, new registrations of the forum are currently broken until I figure out what the fuck to do with that email. Uh, I might... I might go set up my own email server on some free tier on some cloud somewhere. Or what I might do is just make a fucking Gmail account uh, that says Melomancy Cafe uh, signups or something, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, like, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. But, like, until I figure that shit out, uh, forum registrations are not working. But if you really, really want an account, um, question one, why? Um, we're not using it yet. I, I'm posting every time we have an episode, the thread, the official discussion thread. But uh, and I see a couple people signed up. However, 
Uh, we don't have any like threads and discussion going on right now. Right now, everything Melomancy is kind of happening on Discord, much to my dismay. Uh, but you know, Discord's temporary. Forum is forever. So it's like, yeah, I'll keep paying for it. I don't mind. The value in a forum only goes up over time because of that's what they're fucking for. So that's fine. It's totally fine. But if for some reason you want an account right fucking now before I fucking fix that problem, just message me. Uh, you can message me on Noster. My Noster address is at Dylon at melomancy.cafe, the same address as the forum. Uh, you could also join our Discord if you have a Discord account. If you don't have a Discord account, fucking don't do it. Fucking stay away. It's not worth it. Discord is one of those apps that like sucks you in and um, by being the status quo and you're stuck there until something new comes along, which might be a long time. That's what happened to Skype. Which, ironically, Discord replaced. Um, well, and then, uh, you know, Skype couldn't recover it during the era of staying at home, where Zoom took over. <laughs> Skype was long dead before that. I know, it's just hilarious that the thing that should have been Skype's territory I know. Like completely skipped over. They really missed out. Um, you can also find me on the Fediverse at Dylon at shippost.club, so... I'm going to end it there. Uh, thanks, everybody. This has been the Melomancy Podcast, episode 76. Oh, God, mm. that was a long one. Bye. <laughs>